Welcome to the Legendary Upside Podcast. My name is Pat Corain. Also, welcome to the Sports Career Fantasy Football Podcast. Welcome to Full Tilt, Full Tilt YouTube channel, or wherever you're watching this, because we're doing a collaboration series of podcasts uh, here to talk about dynasty rankings that Legendary Upside now has in partnership with Davis Maddock and Jacob Sanderson. Guys, how's it going? Going oh, great, man. I mean, just anytime you can sit down for what is probably going to end up a, like two hours of fucking bullshitting with you guys about, uh, honestly, since I started taking Dynasty Fantasy Football seriously, the worst rookie class. Because um, I, I started playing uh, in more than one league, like very seriously, uh, the year after in Keel Harry was the 101. So so this is, this is the worst rookie class uh, that I've, you know, had a bunch of picks to have to deal with in. That was actually a good rookie class. We were just wrong about the order. I'm wrong, wrong about the order. Yeah. AJ yeah. Brown, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel. There's actually a lot of guys that you wanted. Actually, in that no, class. never mind. I was playing then. Never mind. I lied. I was. I was in that class because that was also the Hardman class, right? That was the Hardman class. Okay. Never mind. Yeah, I was playing then. <laughs> yeah, and just 100 Hardman 101. Yeah. Uh, I I was telling Crane before we started. I definitely in multiple leagues took him. 107 which means i took in multiple leagues mccall hardman over aj brown and dk metcalf that was, that was a tight end year as well the hawkinson fan year fan. yeah yeah marquis brown that was the year really? that everyone thought paris campbell would have under luck but he actually had jacoby Brissett. <laughs> beautiful <laughs> and yeah. also yeah. probably is not good and and in i think you can say definitively it's not good at this point yeah as a colts fan i can really say he's not good yeah you're not drafting any on the Giants this year in best ball? That contract um, not getting you? No, I have not drafted any of their 76 slot wide receivers. I take <laughs> shots on Slayton and Hodgins. You're not you're not taking it. you're not taking you're not taking Wandale? You're not taking Jameson Crowder? No, and I'm like a big Wandale guy. Like I was like uh, but I I can't really justify taking a 5-7 wide receiver coming off of a torn ACL on a half PPR best ball site. That just feels like ass. Well, you're you're your wrong. Face. Yeah, it's, it's, nice, it's nice to know it's nice to know that you're wrong jacob close your eyes it's week 17 oh, no. the los angeles rams have completely given up tutu atwell and wandale robinson are just body blows just body it's just it's both 20 aren't you worried about demarcus robinson <laughs> someone un, someone unironically unironically added me in the dove climbing post about demarcus robinson being like are you worried about this for your tutu shares like they were they were unironic about it like they were, they really thought I, that would cause me to change the thesis. <laughs> like, I've been trying drafted, to get like, to Marcus Robinson for years. I, I've actually drafted a ton of Tutu. I'm like super with you on Tutu Apple. He's, I he's haven't been drafting Wandale, but I, I think Tutu is the second best wide receiver on the Rams, and I want to have twenty percent exposure. He is. Yeah. Yeah, That's I kind of like Tutu as well. Yeah. All right, so we're going to be doing a, a couple podcasts on these dynasty rankings that we put together. So we each created dynasty rankings. Um, and we have what I'm going to be referencing uh, a lot here is our average dynasty rankings that we we kind of just averaged together the three the three of ours ranks, creating a top 175 that I have posted up on Legendary Upside. You guys have also posted these uh, on the Take Cast and Thinking About Thinking. So uh, you know if you're if you're familiar with one of us, which I assume you are, you can you can you're go find uh, be some version of these ranks if you weren't. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Hey guys. Uh, <laughs> nice to meet you. Um, so I figured we'd talk through the rookies first in this episode. And then um, actually one of you guys had planned this out. I didn't think of this, but in future, what was the, what was the plan? 
So the plan is we're going to do one on rookies. We're going to do one on the onesies. So on quarterbacks and tight ends and, and uh, where they, you know, the whole one through 40, whatever, uh, all our disagreements, where we agree, yada, yada, the landscape. And then one probably is going to end up being the longest one, I would imagine. So let's block out about four hours for the wide receivers and the running backs yeah. one. We all like passionate. We, are... split it. Maybe we might want to do like <laughs> quarterbacks, running backs and wide receivers, tight ends or something. I mean, we what? just killed four minutes discussing Wandell Robinson and Tutu Atwell. And both of them are probably we not yet like, in our top hundred. So I think, yeah, you'll need at least three hours. Pa- Pat and I are very verbose. So it'll, it depends on who the third one is with us. Like when, oh, when Peter is on with us, it's not that bad because Pete kind of says what he needs to say, right. He gets through it. But the other thing is Sam, when Sam hosts for us, he's not as uh, assertive in ending the conversation. So you and I will just go on forever. We steamroll Sam. No one has ever referred to me as a person who gets his point done quickly. Correct. And so you are, you are, you are the exact same as us where we're like, we could talk about Tutu Atwell for 15 minutes if we needed to. And I steamroll myself as a host. So we're, we're going to be, we're going to be going long on these. Um, But yeah, we'll do this episode of the rookies in some form. The next two episodes will be on the position, the rest of the positions. And then, uh, I was also thinking we could do a mailbag pod to close this out. Uh, it would be kind of a fun way to do the fourth app. So that, that's what you have to look forward. A month of dynasty talk um, as we, you know, take a little bit of break from best ball on this channel, but let's go and dive into the rookie rankings. So B. John Robinson came out first and we didn't do separate rookie rankings. These rookie rankings are it's baked into all the overall together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which actually, I think it might be worth kind of talking about that off the top. Because they're one in a thing different that, order. My, my guys, kind of were, my guys order. were in a different order than my rookie rankings. Yeah, which I think is an interesting dynamic to think through in Dynasty in general. And, you know, as, as you're entering your rookie drafts, like that's something to think through. And, you know, as you think then through the trade, but like sometimes the trade value changes on these guys like very quickly. Because when you actually go to, to like create or look at a full set of rankings, it gets hard to put Jameer Gibbs ahead of Bryce Young all of a sudden because now you're putting him ahead of like a bunch of other quarterbacks who you think are roughly the same value as Bryce Young. So it's like things like that. I we do have Jameer Gibbs. I didn't have the struggle. Okay, <laughs> we say, did. I didn't, that was tough for me. Well, maybe not with Gibbs, but I, I feel like that <laughs> yeah. this this kind of pops up. Like it, it came up for me with with some of the tight ends, or was like, man, I guess I'm oh, yeah. really high on this rookie tight end class because I'm putting them ahead of like other guys who I'd and I think I think that's with. wrong. I think I had the I had the same thing. I, I so the rankings that I use for a lot of trades in the leagues that we're in that are not on the FFPC. So with very like minded people, uh before Karain launched his site was Amico's rankings on ETR. Mm-hmm. And he would always have like I'm pretty sh- I'm pretty sure he's got Kincaid ahead of Kelsey right now, um, or or at least did at one point, which is in these leagues very defensible because ev- no one is thinking in the three year window. Everyone is thinking like I want to maximize eight years of this guy because that just for whatever reason that's our like try and trade Joe Mixon in one of these fucking leagues you're you're gonna get nothing you're gonna get and right. and the same thing applies to a 34 year old Travis Kelsey. Um, so I I did I I did see that and the the guy i had the largest discrepancy between what my rookie rankings were and where i placed him in the overall was anthony richardson too because mm-hmm. in the rookie draft in this 2024 or 2023 rookie draft 
there's so little I, I think the the risk of taking Richardson and him blowing up I just don't I don't think you're passing on the next AJ Brown with any of these guys I just do not I do not see that but in a startup or in trading for him you are taking on a gigantic amount of risk with Anthony Richardson I think it would I think it's insane to suggest that you're not right um, I don't think I don't think you are I think if you if you're like a set it and forget it guy yeah you totally are but if you're like Trey Lance was worth more after his rookie year than he was entering his rookie sure, year. Sure, 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 sure. That's the way yeah. this shit goes. So if you are the type of person who can, and I, you know, I didn't trade Trey Lance uh, in a league where I took him as a rookie until this offseason. And it cost me quite a bit to move from him to Justin Fields, <laughs> <laughs> who also might turn into a zero. So, you know, it's, uh, you have to, you have to look in the mirror a little bit with this trade value stuff. Are you going to move off Anthony Richardson? after he struggles through his rookie year. That's a good point. But if you are willing to do that, then you can you can do that pretty easily. I, I look at it almost the other way as the concern. I don't have that many concerns that I'll be able to pull the trigger early enough. But I do wonder, like, will I wind up pulling the trigger too early? Like, I, I mm. traded out of a decent chunk of my Justin Fields before he became really good. And that was really painful. Because, like, he looked so bad early in the season yeah. that, like... I was unloading about half by Justin Fields position and then he becomes awesome. And then I'm stuck with less Justin Fields, which would be really concerning. If he continued to look bad for like three, four more weeks, like it was probably over for him. And it's hard to gauge, like, when do we make that choice? Cause most rookie quarterbacks are really bad in their rookie season. You already start with these priors, Anthony Richardson, like pretty high risk bat in terms of his passing profile. Like I'm, I'm not sure how much stomach I will have to hold him if he does have still legitimate value going into his second season and he hasn't shown me anything, I'm not that worried about it for the first year. I think I actually had Richardson ranked the lowest out of each of us overall. I don't think he, any of us are super far apart. Um, if you're all like in the second round, but I, I do tend to be a little concerned. Like if he pays off, am I going to actually be able to hold until we actually see it pay off? And then like, if you're committed enough to doing that, is it too late? Like, because that's the problem. Like we don't necessarily know exactly when the point of no return is going to be like we're, we're gauging. Uh, and it is tough. Like you end up holding Trey Lance too long. Cause who would have thought he was going to get injured in, in the second week and then never play another NFL football game possibly. Um, and like, you know, it's like Jalen hurts another guy where it was very like touch and go that whole second season. It was like one week. He'd be like, people, people have, people have memory hold people have memory hold that, that they're like that Jalen hurts was, very gettable right for for yeah. for a time in, in dynasty super yeah. gettable because like it was it felt like every week it was like shifting where it was like is this guy going to get replaced like or is this guy going to be good and like i i don't think we really knew that the answer was good honestly i don't even know if we knew for sure the answer was good until the third year like even in that off season right there was like the rumor they tried to trade for russell wilson he was horrible in their playoff loss he was horrible yeah, he was not good yeah, yeah. Well, I think so, they did try to trade for Russell Wilson and Wilson turned it down, right? Wasn't that the report? That was yeah. that was the report. Yes, was that was that they tried to they tried to trade for him and Ru Russell Wilson wanted to play for Denver. Yeah. Like I don't think I fully became comfortable with Jalen Hurts until they traded for AJ Brown and the draft was over and like by that time I didn't have a massive exposure of Jalen Hurts. Like it would have been really high risk holding up that offseason, so. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I think the interesting thing in our rankings was that he ended that Anthony Richardson ended up above a, the tier of like super premium wide receivers. So he's ahead of CD lamb. He's ahead of Garrett Wilson. Um, and I don't know. Like I think in a lot of these leagues, if I did have Anthony Richardson, I think, and someone sent me CD lamb for Anthony Richardson, I think I'm probably, so I think I'm accepting so fast. Yeah. Oh, I'm, Wait. I'm, I'm turning that down like immediately. Like, so I think not... like, well, I think the, I think the only reason why he's ranked ahead of CD land is because of Pat, right. To be clear, like both <laughs> of us have CD land ranked ahead of Anthony. We, we do. We do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. the, but the consensus rankings, I would like, I would, if, yeah. in, if I'm my leagues I'm doing, I would look at these consensus rankings before I look yes. at my rankings to make a trade. Yeah. And I, I mean, you can get like, it, they got pretty similar trade value, I think. I, I would go with Lamb. Um, I, I guess I'm just more... I mean, the main thing I'm trying to do with Richardson, though, is not trade him for C.D. Lamb. So, like, it's almost beside the point. Like, I'm mostly trying to use Richardson to move up to one of the existing top 10 quarterbacks. Um, or top nine, really. The market is so low on Kyler, which I disagree with. And I, I, think, I think I'm, like, way higher on Kyler in my rankings than either of you guys are. Like, the discrepancy is, is massive. Yeah, you are. You um, are. Uh, um, actually, no. No, you're not. We have the exact same Kyler ranking. Let's see. Oh, do we have the same Kyler ranking? Yeah. Is it just that I'm way ahead of the field on Kyler? Like, I have Kyler at 13. Um, mm, wait, am I looking at the I wrong list? I see Kyler at 27 on yours. Uh, yeah, I see. I see Kyler. I see Kyler as consensus twenty-seven. Maybe I pulled this in wrong. Yeah, I'm look, my sheet Matt. Sure it came in at twenty-six Kyler. for me that you had. The, the I mean, sheet might be off. I'm, I'm looking I'm at the... Jacob Superflex tight end premium, and I see Kyler Murray at thirteen. Did you did you break the sheet, Pat? Are you where are you looking at the leg up ranking sheet? Has him at twenty-six, which is the one. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. That, that one has him at twenty six for sure. But it's got. Um, it's also. No, like it's your, also, yours, Jacob. It's also uh, showing. Jacob oh, I don't know. I'm looking 26. at the tab that is Jacob's Superflex Tight End Premium, which is the only. It's the only tab that Wait, I. Tab. We need to talk to our sheet lord. Yep. Yeah. This the is. Sheet lord might have made a mistake. Yeah. Here. Jacob's Jacob's stuff is not Jacob's stuff is not uh, collated correctly. I don't think. Wow. Okay. So you have Kyler thirteenth. So yeah, that's I, yeah. That's quite a bit higher. That's. I mean. I mean. You should be buying like if you really believe that. Oh, you I should bought be buying, like, insane no amounts of Kyler this off season. Yeah, like I, I only had one Kyler share out of um, redacted amount of leagues uh, at the time of his injury. Uh, I think my Kyler exposure has gone up from. Well, you guys can do the math on the redacted. It's gone up from two percent to twenty four percent. That's a lot. Of, um, that's a lot of teams. I mean, I, I just think. I mean, I don't even think like the highest leverage you can get on the field and anything in Superflex Dynasty is to have an elite quarterback in particular. And and so you're Kyler Murray's when he's played, he's been an elite fantasy scorer. And he was on the path to being like a very good, either at least above average, if not potentially elite real life quarterback through three years. Like he was a fantastic prospect. He was bad as a rookie, but he wasn't bad like in a way that you're concerned. Like he was just bad in the way that all rookies are bad. And then he was a pretty viable starter in year two. And he was excellent in year three. He was like running, he was the leader in the MVP race through like the first 10 weeks of that season until he gets hurt. Like, I think we really only have one year, this fourth year that like goes against what we thought we had with Kyler Murray. And then you have the injury concerns, but like, I'm more comfortable betting on Kyler Murray returning to proven 
really high in quarterback status personally than I am with Anthony Richardson getting there. Like I have a lot more faith in the overall track record of Kyler Murray than I do at Richardson. Um, and so to me, like that's been the main move I've been trying to do with Richardson is just move him for Kyler Murray. Uh, I mean, you could probably get extra with that, yeah, you right? Should, you could yeah, probably you get an extra, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, to, to Jacob's point, the single biggest thing you can do to add fantasy points or like win expectancy to your Superflex Titan Premium Dynasty rosters is to get one over on someone in a quarterback trade, right? To, to, to sure. win a quarterback trade by quite a bit. I mean, that's, that's really how you do it. And uh, I mean, that can take, that can take, I honestly, something as simple as like, if you traded for Ryan Tannehill right now for like nothing, and it turns out Tannehill starts for the entire season, that it's like a huge win for you. Like if you, if you trade a nothing pick for Ryan Tannehill and you, didn't you, you just know, trade me? Didn't I just trade away Tannehill to you? You, you traded Tannehill to me for a 2025 third round pick. Are you bragging <laughs> about getting over, one over on me? Come on, Pat. Crane, to be Dude. fair to him, he, he got flustered in this league. He was like going to have to like cut like top 100 yeah, players. You don't understand. Okay. I, 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 I traded for like six draft classes in this league. And yeah. so I've been like trading away. Like my cast offs are like, second round pick level so it's a flex that you gave away Brian Dan Hill for nothing because your team it's is a so flex good that you would have had to cut him otherwise my team is yeah. super loaded dude although I did I do still have Terrace Marshall so it's not it's not <laughs> that <laughs> loaded but <laughs> but it's pretty loaded <laughs> so you guys okay, but... why are you guys so bull, uh, bear case on Kyler I mean you're with the market to be clear I'm I'm, I'm with the market on Kyler because I think there has been some additional tail risk of like Cliff clearly wanted to coach Kyler that was part of it and who knows what this new coach does and and utilizes him also the same thing that's happening in the best ball market is true with Kyler which is that there's got to be some discount in the market yeah. if there's a chance Kyler just does not play this season um and like obviously and then this is before getting into the entirety context of dynasty, which is that truly every roster and situation is different. And you should be treating like if you're a really shitty team and you just want to get the number one overall pick, you want uh, very similar to the Cardinals. You want the opportunity to select Caleb Williams. You should actually yeah. value Kyler higher than the market. You, you, yeah. uh, you players who are injured players who are suspended. You should want to be getting those players because the points don't matter to you. In fact, points right. are actually bad for you. Um, whereas if you are a good team, if you like can win the league this year, you should take a below market deal for Kyler just to get the locked in points probably. So like, and that, that's the subtext to our entire conversation. And we can't bring that up for every single player, every single mm -hmm. time. Um, but it is, it is important to note. But I, you know, I do think that the market is somewhat predictable in the way it handles things and if kyler doesn't really play much this year and they completely tank and then you know they end up getting the number one overall pick and now they're looking to like maybe find a new home for kyler which like you know they did put the clause in his contract that he can't play video games or whatever <laughs> so so i don't know how hard he's gonna be like really rehabbing to get back from this knee injury yeah yeah, yeah i mean it's like I, I mean that's embarrassing i still can't believe they they put that in like you have to like what was it you have to study tape a certain amount of hours yeah, yeah, a week i mean that's you have, to, you have to do the tape that is such a like i mean it's idiotic by the cardinals which uh you know i guess time's gone right so yeah you don't have to worry about that particular uh, regime anymore ridiculous so yeah but i mean it's just it creates this is a thing for me with like jameson williams in rookie drafts that year is like 
I'm I'm not going to get any new information on Williams, but people are going to treat the fact that he misses the year as if it's new information when we know he's going to basically miss the whole year, maybe play a little bit. He only had one reception. He actually looked pretty good. And but his his value following the season, I mean, you took a bath if you if you drafted him over Garrett Wilson, you know? Well, well this is the interesting thing is like well, yeah, over Garrett Wilson for sure. I don't recall him going over Garrett Wilson in, in most of my stuff. He definitely he, he was right there Olave. for. I saw him go over Garrett Wilson, okay. he, and he was usually the pick right after Garrett Wilson and ahead of Olave. Yeah, he definitely went over Olave a lot of the time. But by the same token, like to me, that that tier most of my drafts was like Jameson, Olave, and Sky. And like obviously, if you took uh, Jameson, be happy over with Olave you over Sky. Yourself. If you took Jameson yeah. over Sky, you're you're you like yourself um i mean compared to like the market yeah, although i'd say large, their value is like not that far apart right now post suspension right. post suspension yeah. but pre-gambling suspension like if you just purely adp like jameson had gone up in value in terms of like his adp is keep trade cut like i actually thought that the market was was weirdly rational about where they were like oh like the downside of jameson williams was that he wouldn't be very useful to us in year one but like now that's over. So we're more optimistic. I was like, no, I, I think, I think the market take, I actually think the market was, so I agree with you that it was rational in that sense. But I think the idea that he recorded one reception while being physically healthy enough to play games should probably have been a, a honestly to me, a bigger red flag than the gambling suspension. And when paired Korean, Korean had a great line to me uh, via DM when we were negotiating a trade, cause I was trying to offload Jameson Williams. Mm. And he was like, He's just Detroit Lions, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, he is. That's correct. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Right. And that's bad. That's bad from a guy that you drafted pretty high with yeah. your 2022. And you're picks. giving up so much, so much upside. Like the thing. Okay. If you go from Richardson to Kyler, I really do want that extra piece that the market would say you need because what you are also giving up is Richardson's a stud. Richardson, oh my God, he's way better than we thought. Kyler's not going to give you that information most likely this year where he's a hundred percent back. He looks amazing. Like that's certainly possible with Kyler more than than it was with with Williams, given the timing of the injuries, but it's still not like all that likely. Those like tail upside cases, I would like to have them in my range, you know? And I think you get that with Richardson this year. It's it's certainly possible this year. I, I guess I struggle to see it as particularly likely with Richardson. Just like his college profile is not great from passing perspective. There's no, some good not. aspects to it. Like you wrote a lot about his deep passing and, and that being impressive. And I, I really, really enjoyed that piece. Um, I'm definitely like open to his upside. Like I, I root for the team that he plays for. I was really excited about the pick. I think it was the right pick to make. I, I think that, he definitely has legitimate NFL ceiling, but I think it's going to be a developmental project. Like I like to see it at some point where when he completes a throwing drill, he acts like he did that regularly. Like that would be to me growth from Anthony Richardson where he throws it into the net successfully. And he's like, yes, that is what I do. Um, eventually, like I just, I think that we're in for a, I think it would be very unlikely that his first season is markedly different than like early career, Justin Fields, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, where it's like, and all those, at least we'll see about fields, but the very least, all the rest of them clearly became massive success stories, but really their fantasy value is coming on the ground and the passing was a little bit of, well, we'll see. Um, and that's probably what I expect most from Richardson. I think it'll hold value throughout that for sure. Um, but then that question becomes like, then what do we do with it in the second year? And like, 
I think one of the driving aspects for, for me generally is like, there's a lot of players. I, I want to generally try to bet on or against the ones that I feel like I have the most information on or the most edge on. Um, and with Richardson, like, I don't necessarily feel that that's the case. Like, I don't know that, I think if this was dynasty three years ago, the edge would be easy. It'd be like, Oh, there's a young quarterback yeah. who runs a lot that people think is bad. Like, yes. Like that's the edge, right? It's like, we're just going to go for the I, impact I, of the I, outcome. But to your the point, I think the sharper. edge, the edge is maybe the other way is actually like, I'm the only one who's factoring in the chance that this guy might just not be able to throw at an NFL level. That, that, that might be more of an edge than just chasing the, like, have you has there been have you is there one dissenting opinion is there anyone out there honestly who seriously oh, plays yeah, fantasy football no come on no Travis one he's been very anti anthony richardson with his accuracy and stuff he's a big debbie guy yeah i mean okay all right i may that's on me for not being plugged in enough whatever but yeah why aren't you more into the debbie series come oh, on man i i played in a debbie <laughs> league i played in a debbie league for one season and i was oh. i i'm out i was like this i is, can't I, do debbie man it's I, so it, was, it was it was it was oh, too man. much it was too, it was too much for me uh well this, as this is, this is the upside of being single perhaps yeah i, I was gonna say as we as we previous as we previously there's a covered, there's another take ass title for you davis the upside of being single the upside, the upside, yeah. <laughs> the upside, upside of one. being single yeah that's we had one before we started as well. title yeah uh <laughs> I mean, I, I think, but the, the thing about this class that is so unique is that I don't really believe that Anthony Richardson has much more significant downside than Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. Right. I mean, Bryce Young to oh, me yeah. has the same odds of being out of football as Anthony Richardson does. Honestly, Stroud to me has like very little. I think Stroud's like worst case is becoming Andy Dalton based on based on what I understand about how he plays. But I, I also don't think he will ever record a top five quarterback finish probably so for whatever that's worth yeah, yeah. i agree with that I think that's fair. two among the rookies right i think i think i'm just more willing to th- to trade him away for like more some of the more proven options but among the rookies like if i want the clock at 102 it's richardson every single time sure yeah no i i we're, for a rookie draft we're in agreement but from like a startup trading whatever I don't have that much interest in having Anthony Richardson on my. In fact, I took Anthony. I I am the co-managed FFPC league with Leone and Dink. Uh, I think it's it's a fifteen hundred dollar, twelve hundred dollar triflex, and we drafted Anthony Richardson and then traded him away immediately. We we took him at we took him at one hundred two, and I don't remember. Let me go look up the exact transaction. But we were all we were all on board with the idea of taking him. And then immediately trading him away at what we thought was pretty close to like really high value, like one of his higher points. I don't know. I guess I'm the Anthony Richardson bull on this on this show because mm-hmm. I just feel like you're getting okay with Trey Lance. He was being drafted very highly, partly because of the Kyle Shanahan stuff. Where like once he gets yeah. in there, he's just gonna he's gonna put up so many points with these weapons and this coaching. But we're going to have to wait for Jimmy G to get out of the way. We're going to have to have him pass Jimmy G. You know, the draft capital supports that they're going to give this guy his shot. Uh, unfortunately, he's probably bad because they're not interested in really ever giving him a shot. Yeah. So, you know, you do have to have the downside outcome 
in, in a situation like Lance for him to never get the shot with like in terms of the player evaluation part of it, he just wasn't what they at thought. least at least it seems like Steichen likes Anthony Richardson. I don't ever yeah. remember. And it's thinking... gonna play him right away. That's yeah. that's the, what I'm driving at here is that you're yeah. not gonna get like he's not like you're gonna have to sit behind Gardner Minshew for a whole year and then hope that he was good behind the scenes so that he gets his shot. He's going yeah. to play. And he's if he's gonna play as a rookie, he has to be terrible not to play as a sophomore. And so you're just getting like the value I think is going to it's going to go up as long as he's out there playing games. The value is going to go up like Justin Fields literally led his team to the number one overall pick last year. And we're all like, he's done it. He's great. We're in like Justin Fields. I was. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm like so out of field. The market is in the market. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You guys are you guys are sharp because I I think the. the downside on Justin Fields remains very high. It's it's the same downside it was last year, which is that they decide just to not not uh, not pick up his fifth year option and and move on from him. It's it, in some ways the downside is like lower on Fields than Richardson because like there's like well he's the, closer yeah. oh, he's closer to Fields is closer to the end of his contract. It's exactly decisions need to be made on Justin Fields and they could be made in the wrong direction, and Fields is more expensive. So you're like oh you know. That, that's his value is a lot less insulated. I, I guess my only yeah, insulated like, now yeah. currently is value is much less insulated than Richardson's for the next year. I think maybe the only pushback I would have is that the priors on fields were like very high. Like this was a guy who was thought to be the second back in that class. Yeah, but from people from the fantasy community, right? Like the yeah, fantasy yeah, community yeah. generally had very good priors on fields. Like the narrative coming out of the draft was like he was underdrafted. He should not have fallen to eleven. Like. He should have been taken number two overall. Like that was very much the fantasy community's view. Obviously, not every single person in it, but like the consensus view is that you were right. I guess yeah. good prospect. We we were we were right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that. So there was a lot of Fields bulls. Like, and then even now, like you'll see, like a lot of people, like their reason for why they think Fields is great is just like, yeah, like Fields was a great prospect, and he will be great. It is his destiny to be great, and like everything that is been bad about him so far is not his fault and like he will be good like that's just like there's a lot of fields trutherism and blind faith in the like long-term profile of fields that i don't think there is in richardson like in richardson it's very much like this guy is really cool and wouldn't it be fun if he got drafted high so that we could have like another fun cool thing in dynasty but there's not like that is exactly what the argument is yeah like there's not a lot of people that will go to the mat for richardson trutherism like right I like Anthony Richardson and I was pumped that he went super high, but like my level of confidence in Richardson is not like super high. Like if, if it turned out he was bad, I don't think anyone would be overly shocked. Yeah. And even me is kind of like, I'm going to the mat a little bit, but I'm going to the mat on, no, no, no. It's even funner and cooler than you might think. Cause he throws deep. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. the down, the downside. I'm not, I've never really defended the accuracy. I think the accuracy is a major red flag. Um, and, and no, but didn't you see the clip of him busting. at camp throwing it into the net from four yards away? I sure did. We shared on ADP chasing. That was a big red flag for me. I, can't I, I was not like how he geez, was so like, jazzed. I did not like how excited he was for completing it. <laughs> Come on, the air guitar. I mean, that's a that's a sweet. I mean, he's got swag, but I was just like, dude, like you must be one for 10 on that drill. <laughs> 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 I love that. I was like Zabruder like filming that clip. Like I was starting to look at the teammates and I was like, 
Are they happy for him? Are they dancing? Are they relieved? Are they cringed? Like, what's like, what's like, like, does he have his drummer in this band or is he just a solo act? Is it a solo operation? Is this acoustic? Yeah. And it seemed like the team was just like, yeah, that's, that's AR. Um, He definitely seems to have a thing where like every time he completes a practice element correctly, he needs to do some sort of like dance maneuver, right? It's like if he completed something at a throw, at a pro day, like he needs to do a cartwheel, like, his teammates, know, cool. his teammates probably like love fun. him. He's a he's a fun guy. He's a fun guy to be around. Uh, I I mean I hate to do this, guys, but we are forty five minutes into this podcast and we've talked oh, about two of the rookies. Actually, um, one I think. Oh, Stroud. Actually, I, I want to back up a little bit. I brought up the <laughs> overall rankings here. I want to rewind here. Uh, I want to talk about. Oh yeah, Bijan. Let's talk about Bijan and go. where he sits in the overall rankings here. Any, anyone who got gifted the 101 feels very happy to do it and to have him. Um, my guess is that startup drafters are going to feel less happy about clicking that button, just looking at their teams. Not even not even talking about the points he's going to score, but they're just going to be doing their roster baiting, and they're going to be like, man, imagine if I had Trevor Lawrence instead of Bijan. I'd, I'd feel a lot better about it. Well, there's a really weird aspect with Bijan for me that plays into like drafting off these rankings in a startup versus trading off these rankings in an existing league. It's like, you, I think you almost can't take Bijan in the first round in a startup because the only quarterback, the only elite quarterback you'll reliably get coming back to you in the second round, at least for my definition of elite quarterback, is Kyler. But you take Kyler and Bijan, it doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not really, like, a pairing that makes a whole lot of sense. No, it makes no sense at all. you're orienting your startup. So you're, you're, if you take Bijan, like, you're kind of locked into, like, Dak as your QB1, and then and then you're locked into, like, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here for the rest of my quarterback. So, like, Bijan from a round one startup pick just, just screws you structurally so hard that I value Bijan higher in existing leagues than I do in startups unless I'm making a lot of trades in, in existing leagues. Like I've been buying Bijan and I found him to be pretty liquid. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I just view him chase Jefferson as kind of a cut above the rest in terms of their likely insulation and like the luxury of that pick. So like any team that I have that I think is loaded, like I want to just compile a bunch of my other B tier assets Um at like my positions and consolidate them into one glorious Bijan Robinson. Good, good teams. Good teams should really want Bijan because I think, uh, I, I, I've been comping him to Saquon this off season. Yeah. We're like, even when Saquon got hurt or honestly, yeah. Saquon is like not even that good relative to what we kind of thought he would be like Saquon is still, I mean, what do we have him in our consensus? Like he's, he's in year six, he's heading into year six and we still have five, him because he's on the franchise. Yeah, okay. We got it. So no, year I, five. I'm sorry, they picked up his rookie deal. So yeah, year six. Yeah. yeah. They picked up his and job. he's he's been hurt. He's been inefficient. <clears throat> you know, like obviously he's still a good fantasy asset. I'm not I'm not saying he's not, but because he is and I've said this before, but because Saquon is a meme, there's I love like a this mem- take. There is a memetic there's a memetic quality about Saquon yeah. that helps him hold his value compared to someone like I don't know, Joe Mixon or whatever, you know, or, or Josh Jacobs even. Um, and I think Bijan is the exact, like people who are not even like huge nerds do about Saquon in, in yeah. college, yeah. right? People who don't even watch college football knew who he was. Uh, and that matters. And the same thing is true of Bijan. Bijan has been a, a thing for a long time. 
I don't and, like and pay a ton is, of attention to college football, and uh, I kind of do all my cramming as the season's winding down and at the end of the season. But if so, like one, I kind of use my own. Like I'm a normie in a sense there, and like I knew about Bijan a couple years yes. ago. Yes. So that's right. another thing, you know. It's like Bijan. Bijan is fully a meme. He's fully a meme, and I think that this it's like it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy to an extent. Like I think Saquon is more secure than some of those other backs. Because, like, we weren't the only ones whose priors were mimetic on Saquon. Like, so were the NFLs, right? So, like, he just has – I think he has so much more room to run. Like, look at Zeke, who's, like, probably not even at a Saquon Bijan level of hype even. But, obviously, he was an extremely well-thought-of prospect. Went – what was it? Fourth overall. Um, like, that's, that's a guy who was, like, actively bad for several years and continued to get touches yeah. and continued to be, like, thought of – highly in certain like circles based I presume only on a brand name right so like when you have that brand name like that you get a way more latitude versus like the second that Aaron Jones is bad it's over for him like like no one will value him like his team will not value him like it's it's just done like he has to earn his lot in life like every day whereas like Bijan's a Nepo baby running back. Like life's going to be easy. Bijan Bijan like, is a Nepo baby running back. Yes, that's Bichon, a, that is a great way to 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 explain it. If Bijan has a mild foot strain or a slightly strained PCL, you're going to hear about that the following. Oh, dude, he he was bad <laughs> because he had a little thing, a hip. It's, didn't you this, know about this, the hip it's, flexor, it's, it's dude? The re- it's on. the reverse. It's the reverse of when Clyde Edwards Hilaire said he lost. 70 pounds as a result of a gallbladder infection and that's true you play Clyde and no one knew about it yeah we're like what you know going back in time that had to have been a lie right I mean it it almost had to like looking back he's claiming I believe to be about 130 pounds at one point like I think I think I think he said I think he said he was 160 pounds after this gallbladder infection. That's what Tutu Atwell weighs like we would have seen we would have would have jumped off the screen like what happened to Clyde? He's, you know, you know what's gone. funny. What's funny about Bijan, though, we're talking about this. His teammate Kyle Pitts is actually the great comparison. Where Kyle Pitts has done fuck all, and he's he the had a thousand one. yards as a rookie. He had an absolutely fantastic targets per route run and walk. Oh, last once, year. once you start, once you start invoking targets per route run for a twenty-four year old tight end. No, but I do. When, we have memory hold the Kyle Pitts had a thousand yards as a rookie tight end thing because that yeah, is. But, and then improved every single peripheral stat in year two after that. Every single one of them. Yeah. Okay, but what's his highest? What's his? What's his highest finish in fantasy points? Like tight end was he? Well, actually, I, well, I, guess I think you this is be a fantasy points, bro. About this. Well, no, but that's what we're trying to accomplish: is scoring fucking points. <laughs> well, are you the lowest on pits? Because that's a. I yeah, know I. You're much I, lower on pits than I'm I. sure I'm the highest. I, I, no, I, we have I, the same I, ranking, Jacob. Oh, We're good. Okay, I okay. appreciate that. that. That means a lot to me. It's like where a do I? Blanket. Where do I have? Where do I have pits? I'm way lower. At 27. On pits. I'm way lower on pits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just would. Yeah, we have comes out. I would. Anymore. I would. I would. I prefer Mike Mark Andrews by like a lot over Kyle Pitts. Hmm. Mark Andrews has three of the highest single game fantasy point performances by a tight end ever he's done it with like uh an offensive coordinator who stops updating his playbook after the first month he's with the team he's played with tyler huntley he's played with josh johnson he's played with all these losers uh you might be thinking oh well mark andrews has got to be like significantly older than kyle pitts mark andrews is 27 
Kyle Pitts is, I mean, to be fair, he's only 23. So there's a four year difference, but again, that is the difference between thinking of things in like a, a five-year window, a three-year window, an eight-year window or whatever. Like Jacob, if I said right now, you and I can book a bet next three years, you could bet this at minus 110 both sides, Mark Andrews or Kyle Pitts, PPR fantasy points, you're taking Mark Andrews at minus 110. Yeah, I would definitely take Mark Andrews. So, so this ranking is, years. this ranking, yeah. this ranking is, 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 I'm not it's not it's 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 not reflective of the reality of how many points they're going to score. Well, so I don't have them that far apart. Like I have Kyle Pitts at 14 and I have Mark Andrews at 16. So compared to ADP, I have I have both over a round ahead of I, Maybe maybe I'm just lower on maybe maybe my rankings are wrong cuz I look I look lower than like I I'm thinking in my head on Mark Andrews too. So you know so, what? I'm actually going to hold the L. I'm just the one who who didn't do this exercise properly. Well, and the other thing you have to remember is like Mark Andrews in Oklahoma sooner, correct? So that like gets him at least like a couple extra spots for you, Davis. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. No, but but I'm I'm I I'm just looking at I'm just looking People at my that he's a sooner. I'm looking at my I'm looking at my overall rankings, and I I'm just wrong. I I need to move all oh. I need to move all I just need to move all the tight ends up. I, every single one of them. Uh, they're um, they're all they're all too low relative to where they should be there i i don't know i don't know why i did maybe maybe i'm poisoned by best ball brain but like i'm thinking like yeah i'd way rather have mark andrews than jonathan taylor and that's not what my rankings are reflective of so i'm gonna i'm gonna tweak those around um well this has been a great episode on the tight ends <laughs> yeah <laughs> tight end. <laughs> Perfect. I, I, I do get the case for for andrews over pitts though um i think andrews is yeah, I have him 23 and Pitts 14. So uh, Jacob has 14 and 16, as yeah. he said. Um, yeah, Davis, you you have Andrews below Pitts. Yeah, you have at 35. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm just wrong. I'm just I'm just wrong. There's just no way around it. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move Andrews very high. I think right now. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna move him. I'm gonna move him to 21. I think just just looking at this, I should probably move him up too. So Andrews is entering his. No, you're you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Max out at 16. Andrews is entering his age 28 season, so you have to worry about that. Um, Yeah. Or no, I think it's maybe he's entering his age 27 season. Actually, he's he's entering 28. He is 27, I think. Although, like, he might have already turned 27 for the season. Yeah, he, uh, is... no, he, he turns 28 on September 6th. Okay. He will be okay. 28 right after the start of the season. Or right after okay. The season. He has two more years left on his contract, although the Ravens can get out of both of those years. It would probably be unlikely they would want to do so, given how good he's been. Like but, um, yeah. So the age question is really with how insulated is Andrew? Like, is what if Andrews suffered a major injury this year? Does he Not look super insulated? He's not super insulated. And I think with Pitts, like if he were to suffer a major injury this year, then he's entering the fourth year of his rookie deal, but we still haven't seen anything from him. So he's not like super insulated, but you'd have, I actually you'd don't have think Pitts value. is, I don't think Pitts is super insulated. Like every time that I take Kyle Pitts in a startup, like, like it's like, there'll be like two people will be like, nice pick bro. And then like nine people will be like, LOL. Yeah. Ever, everyone I'd else. rather have Pat Fryer move. Like Pitts, Pitts right. is the most, right. Pitts is the most, uh, it only takes one guy in the history of fantasy sports. Yeah. Like, 
because like True. there will there will always his ADP will remain reasonably high. Like honestly, one of the better one of the best allegories for Pitts from this perspective is like DeAndre Swift, where like his ADP has continued to remain unmoved despite mounting evidence to the contrary. But that's like it used to be like ten out of every twelve league mates love DeAndre Swift. Now it's only like two, but they still take him at the same spot. So like his mm-hmm. ADP reflects mm-hmm. that. It's just that like the amount of consensus around it, like. For instance, like Pitts is like a guy where like he's not very liquid, right? Like at this point, anyone who is like Pitts curious has cashed that out um, to a willing buyer. At this point, he's pretty much only in the hands of the the truthers. So like you can get my Kyle Pitts shares over my cold dead body, but like I'm not very likely to add that many more because everybody else who has him at this point, like they've been through the same heartbreak that I have, and they're they're continuing to fight. Well, okay. Let's maybe we should we should move on to to our third rookie. That's our third rookie. Um, <laughs> so Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs. So Bryce Young actually comes out ahead of Jameer Gibbs, right ahead back in our back. average rankings. Um, I believe I did have Gibbs though ahead of Young. Still, I think you did too, Jacob. But yeah, but Davis here. I had I had both the quarterbacks over Gibbs. Interesting. So um, he's a hundred and ninety nine pound running back for the Detroit lions. That's a good point. Uh, do you know that they're having him run routes Davis? Have you heard that? <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, I get it. I, I get the impulse to love him and to, and to, I, I like the younger running back is, I mean, Brees Hall is a great example of the insulation of like, he tore his ACL. He's not going to be ready for the start of the season. Probably. It just doesn't really matter to his consensus value at all. But I don't know. You're just are like Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. It almost doesn't matter what they do. They're going to hold or gain value as rookies. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think if Stroud doesn't run at all, then he will not sure. gain a ton of value. Cause that's, that's that the big the question with him. How much though? does he run? Is that a question? I, I thought like, I thought people were pretty positive that he wouldn't. Well, I and think he- that there's, there's some upside that hey, who knows? Maybe he runs a little bit, and he's, if that's just like no crap, said, he's a pocket passer. He said at the combine, like when he was doing all his interviews, he's like, "I wish I would have run more because I can do it." Right. You know, basically saying what we all know, which is that Ohio State's winning every game by fifty points. So there's like never like C.J. Stroud played like five competitive games <laughs> in his time in college, basically. Yeah. True. Also, Bryce Young is. Um, very very small so like that i'm, I'm legit worried about him yeah so that yeah i i think there there are ways where both guys lose value for sure this would be my main take on stroud and young and i i think that their value is mostly secure or at least is like as secure as you can really have for a rookie yeah, yeah. um i i just like i think in general this is from one of my like very long form thing about thinking posts but general there's three types of currency that you have in your dynasty roster you have projected production this year you have draft picks and then you have projected production the year after this year and i tend to not want to store a whole lot of my value in that third category i tend to want to store most of my future value in picks and then i want to try and consolidate a reasonable amount of my productive value in current year production and the reason for that is that i I don't want to be at a lot of risk of compounded losses so 
if we have a young player and something bad happens to them, not only do you lose the production for that upcoming projected year, but you also have knock-on effects to their outlook for several expected years remaining. So you have more to lose in that aspect. And what ends up happening is I don't really love paying for longevity. I want to pay for the longevity of Jamar Chase, for instance, because his longevity includes for probably as many years as he plays elite production, unless he gets, has a, suffers a catastrophic injury. My main concern though, with like a Bryce Young, I think the modal outcome for Young and for Stroud is just a lot of QB2 seasons, like a lot of- like, They become, they become Derek seasons. Carr. And to me, like I would just rather allocate my value in actual Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins and then take all of that surplus and put it into either future draft picks or immediate production or like whatever else. Um, or the alternative, just take that Stroud or Young and attach another asset and just go get myself a quarterback who's probably going to score a lot more points for also a pretty long period of time. Right. Since almost all the elite dynasty quarterbacks are fairly young right now. It's just not an appealing hold for me. I, I have almost no Bryce Young. The only Young share that I have was a 102 that was like two months before the NFL draft. So I just did not have the cojones to believe in Anthony Richardson's draft capital at that point. Um, I haven't drafted Bryce Young since in a rookie draft. I do have a decent amount of Stroud because he just continued to fall to me at the 106 for picks mm -hmm. that I thought would be Jameer Gibbs or JSN. Um, but they're just unappealing holds for me. Like I, I really, if I'm, if I'm targeting a young player, it's not the longevity aspect that's appealing to me. It's, it's the unknown aspect. It's the like, what are the chances this person just becomes an absolutely elite producer? And from like an archetype perspective, like it's just, it's, it's unlikely that they're going to be that you kind of have to hit like the Joe Burrow range where there's not, a, there's, there's not a lot of quarterbacks that don't have some freakish athletic trait, be that either their mobility or their arm that end up being these elite, elite quarterback. Producers. Well, there aren't a lot right now, but there have been many yeah. throughout the history of the NFL. And, and I would say in systems that are somewhat similar to systems being run now, like, like, I, I don't think that, like, we couldn't have another Drew Brees or another Peyton Manning. I mean, these guys were not particularly stellar athletes. You know, Tom Brady, you know, the, the yeah. famous combine picture and everything. Yeah. Like, there's no reason. I mean, we just saw Brady being hyperproductive in this era. Like, there's no reason that that type of player couldn't come around again. Now, I'm talking about, like, Hall of Fame players and the best quarterback of all time. But it's, I think, from an archetype perspective – I don't think we should go, you know, the league is full of these younger, more athletic passers. Therefore, like a pocket passer guy couldn't get there as an elite quarterback. I think it and yeah. I'm, that's one reason I'm get intrigued by Bryce Young is that, you know, in terms of the processing stuff and, you know, like his ability to read the field and kind of see the game and just like a, a natural feel for playing quarterback like he is like off the charts by basically every evaluator. It's just mm -hmm. like, is he big enough? And, and he's not a freak athlete and he's not going to run a ton, but he will scramble around and make plays. So it's sort of like, what if, uh, to me, I'm like, what if it was like Drew Brees, but he played a little like Russ Wilson in terms of like doing the stuff in the back, you know, running the around loop the loop-de-loops, the loop-de-loops. We get some loop-de-loops. We don't get mm -hmm. much rushing, but we get some loop-de-loops, you know, does that work at his size? I have no idea. 
But I actually think there's a little bit of upside with Young. Which I think is fucking crazy because I just am like, Stroud could be Kirk Cousins, but who runs for 400 yards a season. And I'm like, I'm pretty interested in that, if that exists. Well, sure. I mean, Stroud, I don't think... I, I'm like less... I'm less um, excited about the rushing. I think maybe the rushing... Like, his... He was like a true kind of like more pocket passer guy. So I know he had the Georgia game, but even if you look at Fields coming in, because that's been floated like, well, Fields didn't run that much in college. Well, he ran kind of about as much as Mahomes. It's not, it's, he wasn't Lamar Jackson or anything, but he wasn't right. um, totally still stationary. Ran. He still ran. So I think it's a little bit of a leap to make uh, Stroud really all that. Produ- I think he could be like a Tannehill or something. Sure. Which would be, which would be pretty good. So yeah. I guess I I don't know I in general by the way I, I think I mean, maybe I have CJ a... Stroud didn't even rush in high school like across four starting seasons like he had 328 total high school rushing yards. Yeah, yeah. I mean I I can't I you know what Jacob I can't refute that I can't. There's no you, you bring up player. you bring up CJ Stroud's high school rushing stats and you you got me you know I not, mean this is not, a thing that this is not, a thing that we do in Debbie right like we have to like. Like I just got out of a daddy draft where I like was like looking up Jaden Rashada's high school rushing stats to see like if I thought that he had like comparable rushing upside to Nicholas Amaliava. Um, these Dude, are three point five really... yards per carry at uh, uh, Hillbrook <laughs> Elementary. I can't do this. Yeah, it was uh, Rancho Cucamonga, I believe, is uh, CJ Stroud's high school. <laughs> Isn't that the town from uh, Workaholics? <laughs> Might be. I don't know. I've never seen that. <laughs> um, are you? The, are you did have one reception for 19 yards, though. Are you swayed? Football. Are you swayed at all by the fact that Stroud said he played his senior year with a hamstring injury, but that he? I mean, he did. He did run for 35 he yards. Ran more a senior year than any other year, right? Well, he ran. He ran for two very key first downs in their college football playoff game against Georgia. Yeah. Uh, he ran a lot in the Northwestern game too. Like I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident he can. I'm pretty, I'm, I don't know if that means he will, but I'm pretty right. confident he can be a Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow level rusher. I think how he much can is too. Like I don't think he's like unathletic. Like I don't think he's Peyton Manning, but he's not Peyton. Manning, at, at a certain point, like this guy's been starting football games now for six years total in his life. I okay, also how many how many yards did Justin Fields run for in high school? Yeah. I don't have that in front of me, but I'm going to in a second. Going to what, what's your go-to high school site? I don't even know where you'd go. You, you just kind of Google, Google it school? and you hope that you find it. Yeah. You're going to like uh, there's a, there's high school Max, website. Max Preps, MaxPreps.com has a lot of this stuff. Corrine, this is no different than when we were Yeah, Justin like... Fields in high school. Justin Fields ran for 2,096 yards in oh, two years. Oh, baby. Davis. It's not even as much as Patrick Larry <laughs> did in high school. Davis, <laughs> coughing me, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> ran a lot. Justin Fields, his junior year in high school, he had 191 <laughs> carries for 1176 and 15 touchdowns. All right, go the way you were I gotta eat it. CJ Stroud, <laughs> CJ Stroud is is Ryan Tannehill at best. I will, I will. Uh, I so I think what you're saying, Jacob, in terms of your philosophy, that that's like obviously totally viable. I tend to go a little bit differently, where I like if I'm gonna be in a rebuild and stuff then I would much just rather have um, the value in future picks where mm-hmm. like, I want to get like, I don't want to be betting on guys for like three seasons from now. I never really want to be in that position. I don't like the idea of like 
three or production windows and stuff. I think that's a bad way to play. You're going to end up getting yourself in trouble if you're like literally like, no, this guy's going to be super productive in 2025. Like you don't know that. And no one else knows that. Don't bet on that. But I do like keeping more of the value of my team in production and in players. If I'm in a win now type of mode, but what I like to do is like kind of go in, but not necessarily go in with like, you know, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get Mike Evans and I'm going to get, you know, whatever. Like I want to be like a win now piece would be like a Bryce young because Bryce young is going to hold value and put up points for me. I'm going to be able to move. Like I, I have this team that I was mentioned earlier where I've, you know, having to trade away guys and stuff. I've got Jordan love in there and I like, I don't have a first round pick now, but I'm viewing Jordan love is this kind of production bet that could essentially net me a first round pick. Cause I'm going to, my goal is to trade Jordan love in season, but I'm kind of bet. I'm like, all right, no one will, no one will give me the value. I think Jordan love is worth, but I'm going to basically bet that he's productive to me for me in this best ball league, which will be very helpful. And then hopefully I can move off of him and he's part of my ability to stay liquid. I think these, these types of quarterbacks, young and Stroud, have pretty good potential of, you know, keeping you both productive and liquid. For sure. And one thing you mentioned there too, that I think would change my outlook. I would rank both these guys a lot higher is in a best ball dynasty format. Like Mm -hmm. I I was very much doing these rankings with managed in mind. Um, And with managed, like I'm usually trying to piece together. Like a lot of times I'm trying to piece together a viable by contending team. Like, on a shoestring budget so that I can store the rest in picks is like a lot of times what I'm trying to do in best ball. It's very different where like, it's no longer like your starting lineup plus one extra quarterback, one extra tight end and two or three extra wide receivers and running backs. Like now your entire bench matters. Right. right. And in, in best ball, like you probably want three to four quarterbacks in a super flex for sure. In a managed, it's like, you need to three would be nice. Um, and like, yeah, and I, like I'm in, I don't play a ton of dynasty best ball, but like one that I'm in, like one, one that I'm in is like one of my, room, I have like Lawrence and I have like Tua and most of my Tua shares I've been kind of anxious to move off of. And now I'm like, no, I'm actually good with this. Like, cause I kind of have this young guy who's going to have spike weeks, probably a long time provided the uh, concussion stuff works out. Like I'm a lot more comfortable. I mean, I see Tua quite similar to Stroud and Young and I'm a lot more comfortable having that archetype in a best ball format for sure where you're kind of just setting it and forgetting it as part of your quarterback room for a yeah. long time and where there's way more of an opportunity cost to storing surplus value in picks yeah that makes a ton of sense all right let's move to the the next tier here so a pretty big gap young gibbs stroud jsn i mean this so far i mean our overall rankings reflect kind of the consensus on this rookie class where we have robinson and richardson kind of each in their own tier in a sense and then Young, Gibbs, Stroud, and Smith and Jigba kind of uh, cl- forming a clear mm-hmm. tier of their own, plus that big tier break that everyone kind of felt in rookie drafts. It's the tier break. If you had the yeah. 108, you know, I'm, pr- I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fun. Uh, 109 was worse because I. Oh, we, you're right. As, yeah. As we. See I, here, I always said it was 107, but I guess D- Davis, you're a big Addison guy, right? I just think he landed in he, he, Jordan Addison is the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud of rookie wide receivers where it's like, right. sure, he's never going to be <laughs> Jordan Addison. Yeah, Jordan Addison is pro- will probably never post a top 12 finish or whatever, 
but he's gonna, uh, you know, not in the same style of production, but Mike Williams, his way into being like a, a perfectly cromulent, you know, wide receiver three in dynasty. Like he's just gonna, he's gonna post a lot of, uh, uh, 80 catch, uh, 900 to 1100 yards, six to eight touchdown seasons in, in this current Vikings construct. I, I can't argue with anyone who uses the word cromulent. I, Davis that is the incredible. only person I've heard use cromulent, and he uses it correctly and frequently. It's because it's <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good word for fantasy football because it means exactly what you want it to mean. <laughs> it, it, it like I I would never I I can't think of a context in my real life where I would use it, but for fantasy football, <laughs> it's just like it's like yeah, he's fine. You know, no one no one is like. I mean, I'm sure there's someone. There's always someone in fantasy football. As I learned the other day, tweeting about Juju Smith-Schuster, like there are there's there are Juju stands out there. So there's always someone. But I can't imagine the guy who's like jazzed about Jordan Addison. You know, it's like he's a no. he's it's good where he landed, but he'll yeah. never like his best case scenario is being in the T Higgins zone of like, yeah, he's gonna score a lot of fantasy points soon, and then like kind of doing it, but not really doing it because he's in the shadow of someone who's just so much better than him. I mean, the perfect way to describe Addison is that like, he's not near the top of our ranks. And yet there was in an, like an entire radius of six in terms of the divergence. Yes, like it exactly. was like, we each had him ranked between 45 and 51. And it's like, yeah, that's where Jordan Addison would go. Like we, yeah. It's, the, same page. the funny thing is that Davis is the 51 there. So, you know, and not that you're like, like we're all very close, but, I would say you're, that's a cromulent ranking. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> technically the low, the lowest on Addison, and it's not really a knock. I think he's no. he's say. definitely like one of those guys you can easily see him becoming like a Devonte Smith type of fantasy guy, where we're just like just see, I think in I think two. that would be like a great outcome for him if he like I don't think he's that good. But that's the play, right? It's like yes. this t- the team can't cover this guy. You know, maybe he's more of like kind of a Thielen-y type of ADP yeah. type of play where maybe he's going to go more in the fourth round instead of the two, three turn. But I mean, that, that the, the hope is that he literally just turns like Adam Thielen was, was beyond dust last year. The Vikings hope that by like week five, Jordan Addison is just Adam Thielen for them. That's, that's like, that's, that is what they're, that's what they want. Yeah. I mean, he could be Tyler Lockett. Yeah. I mean, that's a great outcome. Yeah. I mean, although, although, I mean, you'll get people who say they, I don't wrong. Yeah, they are. Like, Tyler Lockett's great. I don't, yeah. But I mean, DK Metcalf is not as good as Justin Jefferson and is not the target dominator that Justin Jefferson is. So that's the tough part. I do. Are you guys worried at all about the Vikings quarterback situation? Because I, I guess I didn't yes. really factor that in a ton. No, dude, no. They are that. That is the that is an un, that is uh, the couple who's staying together for the kids. Like neither 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 party's happy. Cousins about is it. like thirty five. I don't know, man. Cousins yeah, and is they finally be... didn't extend him this year. It's the first time yeah. they haven't given him one of those little one year larping. Total total larp, dude. They they are. <laughs> They they uh they had the ability to get Will Levis or Hendon Hooker and, and and you know at least tell themselves a story about building in a plan. No, it's not happening. How far down would you rank Jordan Addison if you open up Twitter when we're finished this recording and the first oh, notification no. you see is the Minnesota Vikings have sent a 2024 third round pick to the San Francisco 49ers for Trey Lance? Oh. Oh, low, low, <laughs> pretty low. Yeah. He immediately, <laughs> yeah. he, he immediately, he immediately goes to the bottom of the first round wide receivers. Johnston and Zay go ahead of him. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely of the, well, I guess Gino is kind of in a similar spot to Cousins, but uh, of the three that go back to back to back in rookie drafts, it is interesting that Addison is the one who goes first and you're way more confident that the other two have serviceable quarterback play over the next five years. I'm just way more confident that Addison is like good. Good. Like, I, yeah. I don't think yeah, he's, I don't think he's great, but I just think like, I think Jordan Addison is going to be a capable NFL receiver. Like the reasons to not think that he's yeah. going to be great, or he's like definitely undersized, you know, it, it, can he really be a number one? Well, guess what? Who cares if he's going to be a number one? Cause he will never be a number one for the next five years of his career. He just won't. Yeah. Right. So I'm, I'm looking at my rankings and I'm realizing that I have a huge gap between Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnston overall. And I th- I'm pretty sure it's right. Like, I'm pretty sure I have this done like the way I want it to, but it, it does just indicate how brutal these rookie drafts are. Well, there's just a glut of receivers. Like there's like 25 to 30 receivers that I was staring yeah. at. That was the hardest to rank in that like wide receiver 20 to 40 range. I, I agree with you, Pat on Addison. The the phrase I keep using on him is he will do the job that a rookie wide receiver is supposed to do, which is to like be good enough, gain in value, and then let you figure out what you want to do with that value in the off season. Like, whereas exactly I don't know if right. Quentin Johnston yeah. is going to do the job that a rookie wide receiver is supposed to do. Like, I don't, I don't think you have to shoot for the home run immediately. I think you want your rookie wide receiver to score some points, put up some nice numbers, gain value, and then you figure it out. Like, sometimes the upside of yes. a rookie wide receiver isn't that wide receiver becoming A.J. Brown. Sometimes it's they end up being 50% of the way to a trade for an other elite player. Like, that, that can be the upside case. Yeah, I, I think as much as possible, we don't want to have to be right in Dynasty. And yeah. what Jordan yeah, Addison, yeah. what he allows you to do is not necessarily be right because he's he's just going to chug along and hit his marks in most cases. He's going to, he's like what Jacob is saying, after his rookie year, he's much more likely to gain in value than I think Quentin Johnson is, except Look, if you want to say Quentin Johnson could gain way more value, yeah, he could. That's the whole that's the whole play. But the issue is if Quentin Johnson has a disappointing rookie season, now you have to be right. Now he has to be good. He has to break out because you're you're stuck with him. You paid a lot for him. You're probably not selling him super low. Um, so I, I think in these cases, kind of breaking a tie to Jordan Addison. I think Johnston has enough upside where you know, because Keenan Allen could be gone next year for sure. Like Mike Williams, they could be like this. Why did we commit to this guy again? And I think they can get out after next year. Um, so, I mean, the upside case where when he is good is a pretty massive. Uh, but you are having to be right. He has to be good. Like, and he probably has to be like pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. The landing spot differential like only matters in a fairly specific set of circumstances, right? Like if you, if they're both like, if they're both Justin Jefferson, then it doesn't really matter. Like then they're just absolutely incredible. If they're both bad, it doesn't matter. If they're both like, like, I I don't know. I, it's funny. Davis picked Mike Williams before too. And that's like always the guy I pick as like a competent wide receiver. Who's fairly unspecial. Like if they're both like Mike Williams level talent, it's like, okay. It's like better to play with Herbert, but like if you miss out on Mike Williams, you're not overly depressed. So like yep. you kind of need to be like a DK Metcalf level talent almost for it to be like a DK Metcalf with Herbert. Like, I don't know, like that, that's uh-huh. like the kind of range where it's like, that makes a massive difference, but that's yeah. like a pretty specific range where you're like good enough 
for the payoff to be huge, but you're not so good that you can overcome any quarterback environment. Yeah, maybe it's unfair to Mike Evans, but he's because he's been so consistent and he's literally overcome environments. But you do, he's kind of a player where it's like, if you get, you know, I don't know he's going to overcome this environment. You know what I mean? It's going to be a little tough. Um, But yeah, he's probably not the best example, but I I like that way of thinking because people love to factor in the landing spot. That's one thing that definitely gets priced in. Yeah. 100%. All right. Zay Flowers, we have a gap to him at nine. uh, And then a big gap to Dalton Kincaid at 10. I guess in rookie drafts, I don't know that I felt this gap like quite as much because it was so obvious what to do next. Right. You know, like I know I don't, I'm not panicking. What do I, who do I take? You know who to take. Yeah. It's interesting we have this big gap. I had flowers in a lot of my leagues because my leagues like, the King, the people have lost their very real. People have lost their fucking minds about Dalton Kincaid. Like, <laughs> it is nuts, wanna, right? You want to you want to talk about? Uh, okay, our Golden Dynasty is trying to like alleviate having to be right all that often, and then just IK being the shit out of Dalton, <laughs> Dalton Kincaid. Kincaid. Like just being like, yeah, definitely, dude. Dalton Kincaid is Mark <laughs> Andrews. You know, it's like the the market. The market, like, the, they heard, like, an assistant Bills coach be like, yeah, you know, he could play some of that role that Cole Beasley used to play. And they were like, all right, 110 targets, 85 receptions. Dalton Kincaid is the starting slot wide receiver for the Super Bowl champion Buffalo Bills. It's absurd. They're, you know why they're rumored to be signing DeAndre Hopkins? Because playing a rookie tight end who didn't do any combine testing at slot wide receiver is a bad fucking idea. Like, it's not, <laughs> I've had enough, enough, enough of and like, and the slappies, the slappies will be like, well, he went in the first round, you know, he did go in the first round, and and then you have, you know, you have the Liams of the world who were like, well, tight end eleven can't possibly be a bad pick. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it can be. I'm pretty sure that it, it actually can be. I'm pretty sure it can be bad. You only draft two of them. That's bad if one of them doesn't play. Yeah, like Dalton Kincaid is a dog. For like forty percent route participation. Yeah, he's Donald fucking Parham, but he's in. He's tied in eleven. Now ah, you jumped the shark. You crossed (laughs) the Rubicon. No, he hasn't. He has. I didn't. You compared to Donald Parham as a rookie. As a rookie. As a a rookie. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's Donald Parham forever. But I'm saying that I'm saying that his route participation and year one stats are not going to be dissimilar to like the best run of Donald Parham's career. Yeah, it seems like, I can't, it seems like his most likely outcome. Disagree. Like he's going to be out there doing fun stuff in the red zone a little bit and yes. running routes. Okay, so I give you I, – I, here's the line, okay? The, the question is more routes in the year of our Lord, 2023. And I say that Dawson Knox is minus 170 and Dalton Kincaid is plus 225. Where are you placing your chips? I'm taking Knox. I'm taking Knox. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably You're not betting. even taking it at plus 225? You're probably betting pretty heavy on Knox there. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Knox, I think, is going to have no – I mean, the only thing I'm fading there is, I think, injury. I think Knox is going to have no trouble running more routes. He's going to be yeah. out there all the wow. time playing tight end because he plays tight end. The yes. fact that Kincaid isn't being talked about like their tight end is a major red flag for his rookie year value. You want your yeah. tight end to play tight end. That's where he's going to get the most routes. Like, they have, they actually have – uh, Deontay Hardy, who's been playing, he's a special teams guy. He's a great kick returner. Yep. He's been, he's been making a little noise in camp. They're talking about how he's really interesting. It's kind of a deep threat. We know they like to, to kind of play four wide receiver sets. 
Like so is King having King a, basically competing with Khalil Shakir then, not yeah, I, Hardy, I guess. Yeah, I think he's competing with Hardy because look, I mean, it's not just directly with Hardy, right? You could have Gabe Davis and Deontay Hardy on the outside and Stefan Diggs in the slot. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. That seems like a real challenge for defenses. Is that a better set than having Diggs and Gabe Davis on the outside with Dalton Kincaid as a seam stretcher? Maybe not. Not if Kincaid is a superstar, then it's not. You'd rather have Kincaid. But having that pure speed from Deontay Hardy seems pretty enticing if Kincaid's, you know, plays like most I mean, rookie been, tight ends they've, do. They've played so yeah. many guys yeah. trying to get that pure speed role. I mean, John, John Brown recorded snaps for the Buffalo Bills last year. Last year. Last this is a year. good time to note that Patrick Corrine, uh, as he's fighting Dalton Kincaid, is at minimum 10 spots higher than either of the rest of us in the dynasty rankings on Dalton Kincaid. Um, it's, it's, I think, but I, I, I agree with you. Like, I, I think, think it's because I, I think it's, I was so much lower on the dusty running backs, is what happened. But. Like, yeah. right. And I, I'm Davis and I are, are willing to swallow up some of the dusty running backs. I won't, um, I will not. I mean, I was 30 spots lower than uh, expert consensus on Najee Harris. So, like, I did, I, I, did I was my one part. of those digits. Um, but I reversed the digits, so I was <laughs> zero three spots below <laughs> All right, uh, Jacob is nice hanging out with you. <laughs> thinking, thinking about thinking about Najee Harris, like thinking about Najee, thinking about Najee. Yeah, maybe think a little harder about thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, we'll get to I like Najee to Dynasty. Is, I, like, I, I think in Dynasty it's totally fine because all your like the whole point of drafting a rookie tight end. To me in dynasty again is like you want a separator at a position where separation is really important i think that he has a much clearer case to separate than mayor or laporta in that he's the downfield no option. no no he goes no, to this really LaPorta, exciting I, LaPorta, I am lower than you you were saying i'm lower i thought you said i was the highest on king i thought you were am i reading this wrong i guess i'm reading it wrong i i came out as 96 on kincaid unless this unless why do i have a 59 here, here? This, this sheet is causing me struggles um let me see i'm seeing a 59 I, but i may be looking our, i think i Crane, i think the sorting how whatever sorting you did seems to have messed up our sheet okay so you have them all right i'm just gonna look at the individual sheets from now on yeah, before look, i start firing off takes okay that's what i'm gonna do so you have them at 96 so okay you hate this yeah, yeah yeah i harmed your family um okay yeah i'm the highest for them at 75 but davis is only four if you want to look at the formatted rankings tab jacob that i grab okay. a color-coded thing in there you can sick yeah all right let's do that um okay i i mean i think in dynasty it's fine like i think he's with josh allen i really like the profile he's the downfield option of the top three tight ends um I, I think he's athletic. He looks athletic to me when I'm watching him, whether he is for sure. We're not, we're not sure. His deployment suggests that he at least has cromulent athleticism. Um, and I, I think he's, what if he has cromulent pack 12 athleticism? Uh, that is possible. That is possible. He certainly has cromulent San Diego FCS athleticism. That's indisputable. Uh, I think he has good ball skills. I, I think Kincaid is just, I don't know. I think he's a better, I think he's a totally fine dynasty play at the 110. And I'm, I have him as my 10th rookie. Yeah, I, just, it's I, more I, about I the... agree. I agree. But it's just, to me, it's just highlighting how miserable, like if you had a good team or you traded, you know, you traded it for a 2023 pick thinking they were all going to be smashes. And you're like, great, right. dude. My, my reward is a guy so, who is, 
3% more likely to score more fantasy points than Sam Laporta. Where, where are we among tight ends? I think maybe I fucking love Laporta. I just love, I just like, Do I, I don't even working Kane. I mean, I don't think I, I obviously would not like that smaller. I just would. I, I, would I have it one, that. two, three. I have it yeah. Kincaid, uh, Michael Mayer, and Sam Laporta, but they are literally one, two, three. Yeah. I, I've where, got. Where do you have them like in relation to the other tight ends? Is interesting. Like Kincaid versus like Injoku, Waller, Dulcich. Like where where does he slot in? With... I mean, I'm I'm 14 spots higher than consensus ranking on Meyer and Laporta, and I'm I'm a lot higher on Cole Komet and and Greg Dulcich than the market. I think. Which I'm so I'm looking at this. I compressed yeah. my range of tight ends. I I was unintentionally. I I will rework these. I was unintentionally a little <laughs> bit lower on the top guys, but way higher on the young middle guys. Which feels that the second part to me does feel right. Which is like, well, if we're kind of getting into a crapshoot area of players, anyways, you know, when we're getting to the hundredth mm-hmm. overall player in dynasty, I'd rather get the guy who gets an extra half point every time he records a reception. Tight end is for sure where I took like my biggest divergences from the market and Kincaid like, so I'm just generally pro tight end, but it's, it's telling I'm only two spots ahead of ADP on Kincaid, which is like, Oh, you kind of like Kincaid the same. But if you look at every other young tight end, I'm 24 spots above the market on Pat Fryermuth, 10 spots above on Dallas Goddard, 27 on Njoku, 23 on Laporta, 38 on Greg Dulcich. So like, Compared to the rest of that group, like it's Kincaid's a lot closer to them for me. And I have Friar ahead of him versus like I'm seeing Kincaid pretty routinely ranked as tight end five in Dynasty. I think that's bananas personally. Shark, shark, the shark is in the air. The shark is the shark is he's he's <laughs> flopping around on the beach with that ranking, I think. <laughs> what is the what is that metaphor? And you jump the shark. J- jump oh, the you jump the shark. Oh, well, the shark has jumped out of the, the water. Shark, the shark has jumped out of the water. The shark has jumped us. The shark has jumped us. Me, the asshole in the room. Yeah, the shark is like, I'm unwilling to be part of uh, of any of this. <laughs> so I, I I agree with you, Jacob Blake, but I think that I just have a bigger gap to get to Kincaid. So like, yeah. I have Firemuth at 76, uh, which is... I I'm, think I'm. I thought I was high on Firemuth until I saw you had him ranked 59. I have Firemuth at 59. <laughs> yeah, you you love him, but me and Davis are right there uh, in the in the late 70s. Um, and then I have Waller at 84. You have him at 88. So we're pretty similar there. But then you have to go down to 96 for Kincaid, 97 for Meyer, 98 for Laporta. I have Dulcich at 106. So just behind those guys. And to me, like I don't know, Dulcich showed. You're like the thesis of the plays there. Fan, 106. Well, you have a 96, so I'm a little bit behind. Yeah, that's higher. You're yeah. a bad Greg Dulcich truther. I guess I am. But I, yeah. so for me, there's two things. One, I, I mean, in, in some ways, I'm still truthering Greg Dulcich by having him closer to this other group, True. True. which I think, you know, we, we saw Greg Dulcich deliver a little bit on the promise of his rookie profile. Uh, there was some like, does Sean Payton even know who this guy is stuff? But actually, the OTAs stuff was was pretty positive in what was Payton was saying there. So I'm less concerned about that now. Jer- um, Jeremy Shockey, Jimmy Graham, Alvin Kamara, Reggie Bush. <laughs> yeah, good call. He's gonna he's gonna be everybody. Um, <laughs> the other thing though, in general with these tight ends, I I just want to pay for the guys who are good, and I don't mm-hmm. like as much to prospect for them at at really expensive costs. Um, 
the rookies are a little this class is so so heralded that it's maybe a little different but to me i'm like why am i going to pay up for kincaid when i can get mayor and i can get laporta i mean to me they're they're just as strong of prospects i I still think mayor honest to god is is a better tight end prospect than kincaid once we once we take the bills part of it out if we just look at draft capital i'd still bet on mayor over kincaid as a prospect now Hmm. I, it does. It, I think it does. Landing spot does matter a bit, especially when you're dealing with the Raiders. God knows who. Who? What? What's the Raiders 2024 or 2025 quarterback situation? It could be a disaster compared mm-hmm. to Josh Allen. That, that definitely matters. A lot of promise. Who? <laughs> I was fake making a good Aiden O'Connell on it, oh, but I didn't really believe in it. <laughs> <laughs> So he was, he that, was workshopping an Aiden O'Connell take, but he was unwilling to go the full way. <laughs> yeah, it's futilely caping for O'Connell. But but that's kind of where I'm at on like the Kincaid, Dulcich, all that stuff. Like I, I guess I I don't want to pay up for that group quite as much, and um, I don't see why I should have to pay a premium to be right on which of these rookie tight ends is actually going to be a star because I think any of them could be right. based on their profiles. Yeah, also, like, part of the reason why I tend to like some of these middle tight ends and tight end premium, and, like, Davis just said it, they had an extra half point per reception. Like, I like to have a tight end room built up, right, in these tight end premium leagues where you get sort of the two-way benefit of, like, if you roster Pat Fryermuth as your tight end two, that's, like, so much more appealing to me than rostering a vaguely comparable wide receiver as my wide receiver four because you get vaguely similar production in your flex spot, with the tight end premium. And then you get the two way go of, okay, if my tight end gets hurt now, I also can keep steering the boat at tight end versus if my backup is like Gerald Everett. So you get the security, but you're not really losing that much in the flex spot. And then you also have that trade scarcity where like, then if I have two and then I can draft a Meyer or a Laporta or a Kincaid, one of them elevates, like now I can trade somebody at somewhat of an inflated cost because I have three young tight ends in my room. So I'm just trying to keep building the tight end room it's a little bit less convincing on some of these rookies because I'm probably not starting them. Like I'm like Dalton Kincaid. It's like, he has this yeah. value, but he's just basically like a draft pick. Like he's just going to, I'm he's, just, he's I'm like a, he's like sit a on my 2024 first. Yeah. 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 Like I'm just redshirting him. Yeah. Yeah. I also think that there's, you know, tight end premium leagues are a little bit weird because you can sometimes get tight ends. It's not like, some leagues you just cannot get a tight end, but in some leagues you will be able to find trade opportunities. I was able to get um, Dallas Goddard last year as part of a package, or I, I traded for like Hopkins. I traded away some picks and stuff and got Hopkins and Dallas Goddard and some other kind of like win nowish piece. I forget exactly the deal. It was before the 2022 season, um, and he he was kind of at the time one of these guys. It's like he's not really young anymore. He's not right. really going to be like a ultra elite. We That dream is sort of dead, but he's going to be pretty productive. If anything, you know, maybe we feel better about his upside this year than we did last year. But the, the kind of this like Evan Ingram would have been another guy in retrospect who's a yeah. kind of clear target, kind of boring veteran. We've we've the ceiling is over that that like I can dream about. Oh, my God, I have the next Kelsey. I have the next Andrews. That dream is dead. That right. takes the price down considerably. But, like, guess what? Almost none of these guys, there's probably, like, one tight end in the league right now who's below, like, 25 
who could be right. like the next one of those guys. And it's probably Kyle Pitts. <laughs> the rest the- of these guys are probably going to be like, fine. You know, that's the most likely scenario for every young tight end, but they all get that, that ceiling gets priced in to some extent. So if you can get, I mean, this year is probably not as, as exciting of a year to target, but like Dalton Schultz would maybe be. Well, you want to get in on Noah Fant. I think that some okay. point in his life, that's a guy that I think you want to get in while he's absolutely cheap. Um, I like that. I one. think Mike Gesicki is interesting. Um, like I, I've been mm. stashing a lot of him. I don't even think necessarily for this year, but I just want to add him to my room as a guy who has like some level of proven production. Um, Fan's probably the biggest one that I'm adding to every single team. Like Eng- Engroman like and Joku. So like this is if, if if there is one thing that I would say that I'm very good at in Dynasty, it's that I will always get the disappointing tight end who's about to make uh, a comeback to her. Like I like David and Joku and Evan Ingram were on like all of my teams last year. And that was and Joku's the like a perfect how much one. how much uh, 2021 Zach Ertz did you have? I had a lot, dude. Yeah. Lot okay. All right. Hurts. There you go. That that's my. If you saw the Ertz Gerald season coming, then then we are simpatico. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's like a little different because he was ancient. Like the the Injoku, like basically anytime we have a tight end with pedigree who's shown anything, like yeah. we see these guys pop up on their second contracts and provide value pretty frequently, and the market like tosses these guys aside. Like Engram got really cheap, and Joku got really cheap. Um, you know, now they have actual value. Um, there's a long history of this with Jared Jared Cook, Eric Ebron had a really nice second run. Yeah. Even Gerald Everett to an extent, like he didn't hit the way that Engram and those other guys hit, but like he was completely worthless when he was at the end of his contract on the Rams. And like, he was pretty useful in a tight end premium league last year with the chargers. Um, so those are like the kind of guys that I think, like if you're building out the edges of your room, you always want to get in on, it is tougher this year that the, the, catching the flop lag on the Injoku Engram tight end class was like a nice opportunity. And in three years, we'll have this conversation about Dalton Kincaid. <laughs> so it'll be great. Well, yeah. And like, so I have Injoku ranked 95th and Kincaid ranked 96th. And like, why should mm-hmm. I have Kincaid ahead of Injoku, who's got a contract, also has a strong quarterback? And I'm like, way more confident is actually good. And here's another thing I like about Injoku. He actually plays tight end and is get to run gonna get to run a bunch of routes playing tight end. I don't have to worry about oh dude, don't worry, they're gonna play him in the slot over Elijah Moore. Like no, he's gonna he has his own position carved out yeah. where he gets to play. That's a huge advantage. It is. It is. I mean that's that's true. it's gonna be true for Laporta. Laporta's competition is can yeah. you beat out Brock Wright? And if you can beat exactly. out if you can beat out Brock yeah. and and honestly James Mitchell Eraser. <laughs> yeah, don't even get me started i played james mitchell in dfs for real american dollars at least once <laughs> there was a period of time last were you, year were you given back real american dollars exposure to james mitchell <laughs> and it was like all from one night like i james mitchell was like an interesting debbie guy for me and then he became relevant i added him in every league i was so excited i i added him in a bunch of leagues too because i was like what i mean you know he's my he actually had an interesting guy. profile and he had he was yeah. coming off a torn acl that's he's actually converted no. I mean, Kareem, your thing is converted linebackers. My thing is converted quarterbacks. Like, if a guy converts from quarterback to another yeah, position, yeah. Logan uh, Thomas I'll, theory. Yeah. Oh, big time, Logan Thomas. I mean, I held Terrell. I held Terrell Pryor through everything that happened to him, and then got that miraculous. Oh, uh, I don't even remember what direction did it happen. Did it happen that he was 
he had a thousand yard wide receiver. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, thousand yard right. wide receiver season. Yes. The okay. There we go. I remember. I for I forgot the order awesome. nothing that it happened again. in. Nothing yeah. ever again. Uh, and and you know that's just a, that is a lesson that will set you for life. So Laporta, but Laporta, I think has he's got the combination of everyone kind of likes the team. Everyone kind of ever like he obviously not to the same degree the the mimetic quality. The Lions just are the mimetic thing is amongst fantasy nerds uh but i think i think like that's likely going to be a good offense he gets to play a minimum of eight games a year in a dome stuff like that i mean i just i just really like laporta i like laporta too um all right let's move to the other rookies here uh we got devin a chain we got zach charbonnet and each is hanging on for life. Though. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Like, when, when, when I refresh when, Twitter, I think that I need to move him down. I, when when I the just chain like, gets adjusted. nuked by Dalvin Cook. I just haven't, like, I don't know what, like, I don't know how to rank a guy for, like, the percentage chance that Dalvin Cook signs on his team. So, also, like, Dalvin I just haven't. Is, he's done. Like, he, he, so he's all bad. the numbers. Yeah. They, he bad. literally just was cut by his team and was horrible last year and has a, uh, a, sh- a shoulder injury that's, like, recurring. Like I actually don't know that A Chain's dynasty ranking should move down all that much. We should probably have him below Laporta. No, we'll move down a bit, but yeah, it shouldn't like crush him. Yeah, like I would kind of I'd keep him in the same tier. I just kind of move him to the bottom of it. Um, I mean, I don't even think his role would be that changed anyway. Like I don't think Devin Chain is going to come out and week one have eighteen carries. No, it's like, I think it's, it's Wilson. Like he's going to have a role. Mostert who goes and Wilson zero. and Mostert or something, yeah. and then Cook just like eats the Wilson and Mostert stuff. I mean, I think Dalvin Cook is going to 2020 Todd Gurley. Like, I think some team is going to sign him. They're going to mm-hmm. give him a bunch of carries off the top because it's like, it's Dalvin Cook. He's going to be bad, and he's going to score points anyway, and then eventually the team is going to stop giving him carries. Like, I I, I don't think he's going to be a guy that you're excited to have in the fantasy playoffs this year. I, I no, think he's no. quite over the hill. Yeah, I completely agree. But this is a reminder that, like, this this class is not very good. Yeah, Devin a, Devon A. Chain and is one of my favorite college players to watch ever, but I would say he's probably the worst first round, like probably the worst player that I've ever ranked in the first round of a dynasty rookie draft. Yeah. I mean, Charbonnet. That's, that's, that's interesting. The worst guy who I've ever had in the top 12. I mean, pre-draft yeah. Hakeem Butler. Pre-draft uh, Hakeem Butler for the worst, <laughs> no. worst guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God, mm. Hakeem Butler. So – where are you guys at on Charbonnet? Because he's one I've been taking a lot of him in best ball. Yeah. Same. Um, okay. But if I don't, if because here's the thing in best ball, right? The you get you're gonna get him probably. Well, I think he'll definitely play ahead of Kenneth Walker on receiving downs. Does he play ahead of DJ Dallas? Do they turn this into a gross three way committee? They definitely I, could. I think, well, I, I was gonna say Kenny McIntosh. Well, Kenny McIntosh. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's a disaster. But if he does play on receiving downs, you also have the fact that he is a little bit bigger than Kenneth Walker, and Kenneth Walker was super boom bust last year, got stuffed a lot. Mm-hmm. Which guy's more likely to be used at the goal line in the second half of the season? Could be Charbonnet. So now you've getting the high value touches out of this guy. So I'm, but in best ball, if I'm just wrong about that, like, oh well, I'll play right. again next year. It, when Dynasty you're sort of locking yourself into that bet for like four straight years. Cause Walker is really good at what he does. He's a very explosive rusher. Um, they, you know, they, at the same time they're talking about in the post draft press conference, how they just drafted Charbonnet. They were also saying that 
they made a comment about how Garrett Wilson was sort of the fake rookie of the year. It really should have been Walker. So it's like they, they do still love Walker uh, in Seattle. It's just a difficult rank to to play Charbonnet because he's, like I, you, I think he's not like taking the, over the backfield. Think think about I, I think about it this way. Kenneth Walker is AJ Dillon and and Sharbs is like Aaron Jones light, right? Where it's like, but like if the thesis is we're still good, like if the only if the if, yeah, if there's yeah. no DJ send DJ Dallas to like 10%, you know, or 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 right, not right. playing at all. There should be enough meat on the bone for them to both be kind of like startable and usable with like gigantic spike and or contingent upside is it could it be like he's devonta freeman and uh kind of sure. Walker's tevin coleman something sure. like I that think, yeah i mean i think the split might be um Charbonne will be better than the name that i'm about to compare him to but purely from like a how the touches got allocated i could see late 2022 dallas cowboys where walker gets a lot of the explosive <laughs> fun touches between the 20s and Charbonnet's job is short yardage and pass protection Actually, or, that's that's a good comp. Except, what if Zeke wasn't completely done? Right, that's what I mean. Like it'll be that. Except, like Walker is like not as good in the passing game as Pollard, so his explosive touches will have to just be screens and carries. And then Charbonnet as like a not dusty Zeke. Uh, what about what about late? Staged Ladanian Tomlinson when he was a Jet, and they used to give him all the fun plays, all the tosses, all the screens, all the green zone stuff. But Sean Green got 220 carries, just Sean Green just fumble machine only between the tackles, right? I like. I think yeah. they're gonna give. I think they're gonna give Kenneth Walker the most trap back ass roll, but he's so good at hitting home runs, he's still gonna like find a way to score a bunch of uh, yeah. What uh, if, half PPR points? What if it's the Bills? 2011 and we get cj spiller in the kenneth walker <laughs> and then we get fred jackson oh that was a, oh, that's a good backfield. one that was a great backfield the kids the kids don't know the kids listening pat they have no fucking idea about 1700 scrimmage yards and eight touchdowns from cj spiller dude i, I remember where i was i was thanksgiving 2011 fred jackson went down i believe to a broken leg and i was like rushed because i had this incredible team i had shout out to john paulson four for four used his rankings and drafted jimmy graham and rob gronkowski this is in a half ppr league so it's not even tight and premium but i had both guys in the breakout year i did starve the beast actually i didn't because i drafted both late (laughs) (laughs) it was the best team i've ever had i think fred fred taylor For Fred Jackson had a 1,000 oh, yard season at age 33 for the Bills. Time times have changed, man. Incredible. Times have changed. Well, Coral yeah. Patterson had that year a couple years ago. Remember? That was so was fun, dude. Well, Coral I, Patterson. I have was a never. Freak. That was that was so much fun. Uh, that was the, that was the mo- one of the most fun things I ever experienced playing Dynasty. Speaking the speaking of Coral Patterson, RB two in every league. I was gonna say, speaking of guys who have converted positions, I I I'm, was also had. Patterson on a bunch of teams. It was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, this the fact that we're talking about Cordero Patterson at this point indicates that like, if it, it's I mean, these guys are not even dynasty relevant. Like Marvin well, Mims. Yeah, let's let's move on from Fred relevant. Jackson and talk about Will Levis. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> like, like, like Marvin Mims and Will Levis are like unlikely to ever start for your team after drafting him, and we're at the two hundred four in rookie drafts. The well, we missed Kendry Miller entirely. That was the one running back we didn't miss. Oh yeah, I mean, to me, I, I you like him more than I do. I think we haven't he, missed him. No, I I like. Oh, we just haven't gotten to him yet. We just haven't gotten. Okay, to him. 
Okay, and then never mind. We'll get to him. Um, I don't care about Will Levis. Honestly, the worst news of Will Levis's offseason is the Titans might be signing DeAndre Hopkins because the only way that you play Will Levis is if you don't want to win football games. Yeah, if they do want to win football games, then Ryan Tannehill is playing a lot of them for as long as for that's for what the it's case, worth. And this probably is worth nothing, but I will note that Will Levis currently repping with the third team offense. You know, it's like that's Vrabel. I, I was know, gonna say. I was gonna say. Is it Vrabel? Is it is it Vrabel, or are we getting Malik Willis vibes early? Early Malik Willis vibes. Well, if he's well, behind Malik Willis, Malik Willis, Willis for any time, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's that's where you go. They, we know they hate Malik Willis. So if it takes him a little while to pass Malik Willis, that's I think actually a signal. It's not. We're way too early for it to be a signal now, but I would keep an eye on that. Well, the signal is Will Levis' entire collegiate career. <laughs> that's also a signal <laughs> right like the signal the signal is that he was bad and then the only thing that he had going for him was that he was going to get drafted in the first round which everyone agreed was not going to be a good choice and then he wasn't and so the evidence continues to suggest that this guy isn't good like that to me is a signal like i, I don't know like the whole like where do you take will levis is seems to just be based on what's the earliest you're willing to take a player that you're pretty sure is terrible because they play quarterback. Right. And I guess I think everybody can get a lot of mileage out of a different answer. Um, my exposure to Will Levis is thus far 0%. I took him once. As soon as I took him, someone offered me Russell Wilson for him and I immediately accepted. Yeah. Me- immediate accept. Yeah. 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 Easy. Yeah. I think uh, I would accept that too. We, I have him at one Oh three. Davis has him at 114. Jake B. have at 116. So not a ton of uh, separation there. Uh, <laughs> I love your celebrating. You're slightly lower. Feels good. I guess I'm the Will Levis bull. I've I've hit on Daniel Jones in rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was a first round pick very early. You know, mm-hmm. so that's kind of like I have hit on these guys. Uh, I've take I took Zach Wilson and then I traded Zach Wilson <sighs> before it went to total hell. You can no. you can get off these guys usually, but the second round pick part of it makes it way more difficult. Although I don't know, seeing people get like legitimately excited about Sam Howell this year after he played one game, wasn't particularly efficient in real life metrics, scored some fantasy points. I think uh, you just hang out with Ben Gretsch a lot that you think more people are excited than they are. I also hang no, out no. with Eric Mindfor. So people are um, people are yeah. there are there are people who pop up. I mean, I, I stand Desmond Ritter, so who am I going to – who am I to judge? Well, Ritter would be another example. Where third round <laughs> yeah. pick, I think a worse prospect than than Will Levis. Will Levis? Yeah. yeah. I mean, go either way, but I won't argue that too hard. Yeah. But now he's going to start, and, like, he has some value now. So I just think, like, yeah. you're kind of – it's sort of a picking up pennies type of thing at this price. You know, like, if you have a starting quarterback in – 2022 you should be able to trade him for something no one wants to trade anything for jordan love right now but you know he's still we still all have him ranked ahead of levis like just being in there will increase him in value so i just think it's kind of a you know at this price and what's the opportunity cost you know like i i I have him after mims um we we have him collectively after mims so that's the last guy to me where i'm like man Mims had a good enough profile where right. the odds of him turning into like a week in week out fantasy starter aren't great, but I think it's possible. So I'm going to have him ahead yeah. of, of Levis. And then after that, it's like opportunity based running back plays and, you know, some, some receivers I don't really like. So take the, yeah. quarterback. 
Like, I'm not trying to be unreasonable about it. Like, I'm not, like, taking Roshan Johnson over Will Levis. Like, I, I would take Will Levis. It's just that frequently he's going at 110, 111, and I'm content to see him go. So that's that's yeah. where I'm at. Yeah. Like, I would just rather take the play. If I, if I can help it, I'd rather take the players that I believe in. Um, and sure. I don't believe in Will Levis. Um, I would take him, but I think, like, as much as people aren't optimistic about him on Twitter – they get in the drafts and they look at their quarterback depth chart and they're like, I could use one of those. And then they mm-hmm. usually take Will Levis. Um, and, and that's fine. So, I mean, I think there's enough cheap quarterbacks. Like I, I mean, you're looking at our, you're looking at the ranks right now. He's above Matthew Stafford. Like I, I just feel like, I feel like the odds that Will Levis gives you more value over replacement than Matthew Stafford for the duration of their careers are not high. I mean, I mean, to be honest, once you get past the top 100 players, the value of them is going to be so subjective to what you're trying yeah. to accomplish in the window, yeah. right? Stafford's a one-year play, probably. Yeah, like I would. I mean, are if we I, sure? It's only we're not 100 sure, but he could. You're you're, you're trading you're you're treating them you're treating them that way. Like whatever you get, whatever else you yeah. get out of Stafford after this year is the total bonus. Whereas Will Levis could be anything, even a boat. And some teams want to try and buy a boat, and some teams are like, you know what boat stands for? Bust out another thousand. I'm not interested in the boat. I don't want. I, I, I want no boat. That you was know? bars. What is happening? So it's, so it's 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 very much an eye in the beholder. Like you could tell me someone fucking loves Kendra Miller, go for it. You know, uh, and I mean yeah. that's probably like a good. Uh, I mean, I feel like it's almost passe at this point, but like, one the later you get in rookie drafts. Yeah. specifically the more you should just be taking whatever running back you think has a chance of making a 53 man roster because yeah. it uh, running back fantasy points are mostly related to just how much they're on the field. Whereas uh, I mean, Jonathan Mingo could run a bunch of routes and just earn uh, no targets. Our rankings, by the way, undercutting my point about Will Levis, given that Desmond Ritter is behind Will Levis in our current Not on my watch. <laughs> on my sheet although i have like a two spot difference i have yeah. ritter howell levis all in a row so <laughs> there is um, the issue with with uh ritter where i think he could legitimately get benched or replaced uh this year i mean they but gave heineke sure. i mean i think there's a legitimate issue with 10 levis million he could never start ever i think if if Tannehill is on the roster on september 1st I, i'm betting against will levis ever appearing in a game where Tannehill's not injured yeah, I would say it's probably 50-50. So I don't think it's I mean, it's I think it's just entirely dependent it. on are the Titans in playoff contention. Like, I, I struggle to believe that if for as long as their season has merit, that if Ryan Tannehill's healthy, that he will not play and Will Levis will play. But, I mean, the roster is bad, but, I, I mean, I've, I've lost a lot of money in my life betting Titans unders. Um, so, like, they – it wouldn't surprise me if, if it's, we look up and it's like, oh man, their point differential is negative 82, but they're seven and seven and they're like one game out of the wild card spot. That just seems to be what they do every year. Uh, so I don't know. I think it's, I think that Tannehill playing the whole year is more in the cards than it's at least possible. Or at least that's what I tell myself so he doesn't go to Atlanta. No, you should trade, you should trade your friends 2023 or 2025 third round picks to get Tannehill and Superflex. Oh, dude, I will. I love Ryan Tannehill. Only I, a donkey would trade away Tannehill for a third. <laughs> yeah. Only a donkey. Only a donkey would take Terrace Marshall. <laughs> I saw. I well, saw. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have cut Tannehill. I would have. You know, I'm trying to keep spots for some of the my, other guys. My my right. first my first time of of uh, 
being like, all right, it's it's time to take a break from Roto World player blurbs this offseason was when uh, we got the blurb that the, the Panthers believe a breakout season is coming for Terrace Marshall. I, like, I got to that point and I was like, all right, all right, enough, enough of the OTAs. Like, we're good. Wait, I, I would think you would you would be excited about that blurb since it's the one that, that convinced me to keep Terrace Marshall and trade you Tannehill. <laughs> I mean, it's a good blurb. It's convincing. I mean, uh, I, I, I've been drafting. That's, that's why they're Marshall anonymous because they let Davis guess. Both. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm, I don't have enough shame. I'll, I'll draft them. <laughs> I want to, uh, I want to talk about Rashi Rice Let's because I find. Can we? Let me let me set this up because I want to. Okay. I think what we need to do now is do some rapid fire, um, nice. and this I mean, will allow. We have you to been talk podcasting about... for two hours. Yeah, so yeah. this will allow you to do a, a Rashi Rice uh, talk here, Davis, because you are the highest. So I think for the next bit here, I am have... shocked by that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> totally off brand. Uh, you and and by the way, before we started, Davis said that we did not have a this year's Nicole Hardman. I was like, we literally do. <laughs> and now you're about to make the case for him. The key Go is ahead. that we've 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 learned the wrong lesson. We've learned we've continued to be bad at probability, which is that eventually the rates of hits for the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers are going to normalize. They're actually going to draft a guy who can play. But because Hardman sucked and we overdrafted him, and Sky sucked and we overdrafted him, and so the the base rate assumption now the assumption has has shifted from. Being drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs is actually good. The The assumption now is that playing on an offense with Patrick Mahomes and being drafted in the second round by the Chiefs is is, is actually bad, right? right? I mean, that's literally that's literally what we're saying right now. And I don't think that's what we're saying. Explain. I think what we're saying is that Rasheed Rice is a late-declare, late-breakout, bum-ass wide receiver prospect who got overdrafted. But it shouldn't well, – I mean, was Sky was like a good prospect, but he wasn't. Like he right. was a much better. I mean, he was I a guess pretty he great prospect. If but you... in theory, he was like a much better looking prospect. Like, like I was not on Hardman ever because I thought that he sucked, and then I was really on Sky because I thought that he was good. One for two. Um, like I'm, I'm not that much on Rice because I don't think he's very good. But if the Chiefs had drafted Josh Downs or Marvin Mims, like I would go to the mattresses. Right, and I think maybe that's a little yeah, bit I would too. I, I mean, I totally agree with Mims, obviously. That's that's what we all wanted. But isn't that maybe like a little bit overconfidence in our ability to say like who's good and who's bad? Yeah, I mean, I don't like Probably, I don't think there's yeah. a 0% chance Rushy Rice is good. I've actually been drafting him more than maybe it suggests based on these rankings, but probably just because I play with other nerds who are overconfident in their evaluations of But like, Rushy okay, Rushy Rice... I, Rushy but he has Rice, Rushy Rice had 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns his final season, like... Just raw, yeah. like raw production. That's like pretty good. I don't know. And like obviously four yeah. year prospects, yada yada, all this stuff. But if he plays, if he runs sixty five percent of the routes as a rookie with Patrick Mahomes, he's gonna appreciate a lot. For sure. It's just that I just, I think you're, I think you're right. I think it's a combination of both things. I think it's that the market has learned to not be over exuberant just because a guy's on the Chiefs. Um, but also, I do think like the ghost of Sky Moore is sort of yeah. permeating this spot i mean i think you're right like in real life sky more he has to compete against real life sky more that's true yeah uh, which, eric isn't, eager, which isn't like eric, a huge thing but i mean no i mean eric eager still, gave me I've, a bull he kind of gave me a bull case on sky which well, i it was a pretty good blurb the other day about sky more 
that uh, it was like he, they said someone said he was like a standout of OTAs, which I'm I'll eat that shit up. That's catnip. Yes. For me. Yeah. I I just more. I I I want that to be uh, true. I want Sky to work out. And a lot of that uh, stuff is is puff stuff, but you you'd rather have it than not have it. Right. That's it's always what I. That's boss. always what I've said. You you you'd much rather you'd much rather hear that than t- the Titans are considering outright cutting Malik Willis after one year. Yeah. You know you you'd yeah. much rather you'd much rather best shape of his life than uh you know Traylon Burks has asthma and can't breathe. You know? And this isn't a surprise given how bad his rookie year was. But I read a blurb today on the, on the Athletic. They were talking about their wide receiver core, and their early projection is that David Bell does not make the team. So this stuff can go pretty bad after one season. Really you know? fast. So, yeah. Yeah, really And fast. that's a great example of the nerds being overconfident in a prospect profile too, the, right? The, like David they Bell is a Bell. round three compensatory pick. And we were like, that's day two draft capital. And and then we drafted him like pretty highly and he sucked. Like sucks a lot. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So it's a good point. I like, just moved Rice up a bit. I'll move um, him up a bit too. I, I, moved him up I already have bit. him over Sky. So I have Rashi Rice. Like to be clear, among the rookies, I don't actually have Rashi Rice that low. Like I have him ahead of Mingo. Um, who who do I have to rank him ahead of? I, I guess like are you guys gonna make me rank him ahead of Jimmy G and Ryan Tannehill? I suppose you're going to, right? I, well, I what happens? That. What happens when Jimmy G retires from football because he's got he's got a, a foot that like is inoperable. He's got club foot. Yeah. He's got club foot and a good face. <laughs> he's gonna have, he's got a second career. So yeah, so Davis, on. like okay, I'm gonna so I have Rashi Rice in the middle of like a big fat swath of wide receivers. I'll I'll read out the wide receivers that I currently have above Rashi Rice, and you tell me which one of these is is the most egregious. Okay, okay. I know what your answer is gonna be, but I'll read them out anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, Nico Collins, who I like have a Very totally reasonable 42 yeah. spots ahead of ADP, and I have 51 I, I, I get it. I get that on Nico. Yeah. Gabriel yeah. Davis, uh, who actually behind ADP. I, I Brandon agree. Cooks, who encapsulates everything about how I play dynasty. Corlin Sutton, and then this is the one you'll say is egregious, but I have Michael Thomas one spot ahead of Rasheed Rice. Yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas, I, I maybe didn't even rank Michael Thomas. I'd have to go yeah, look. I'm not, I have to go look where I have Thomas. I, I, think, I, I think I probably didn't. What are you hoping for with Michael Thomas that he gets through that he gets through Michael Thomas games? has never played and not earned targets. No, that's, that's look, the thesis. Don't get when me wrong. Plays, I, get, I get the thesis. I get the thesis. I, mean, I just if, I that's not you can't say if he plays the target. If he has played, he has earned targets. But I mean yeah. he's gotta come back when and, he's played, he's earned targets. He earned targets. He's older last now. Year. He was playing last year and he was earning targets. You look at Jacob, you may you be go, too young, but do you are you familiar with Akeem Nix? Did you have that experience? That's a formative experience <laughs> oh, for not, me. Yeah, again, I'm a Colts remember. fan and he came to the Colts and I was he pumped did. and he was bad. <laughs> yeah, he was bad on the Giants a few years after he was awesome on the Giants. Oh with my a, god. A string of lower leg injuries. It is it can go, man. It the the talent can be sapped with these lower leg injuries. I mean, I think it's like probably gone, but to be clear, like, I don't think like I'm ranking him in a tier with Gabe Davis. Who's like probably not very good at football. Brandon cooks. Who's, I don't know. Good, but he's not that exciting. Rasheed Rice, Jonathan Mingo, Jaden Reed. Like, yeah, I guess I can put him below these wide receivers. I, I just think like it's easier for me to buy into like one 
value of a replacement legitimate over 15 points per game season from Michael Thomas just being healthy than it is from like a wide receiver prospect who projects to be not very good being like an actual wide receiver one in fantasy. That just seems like a longer shot bet than Michael Thomas stays healthy. Yeah, I I guess it really is like kind of what are you looking to accomplish with the pick? Because if you're looking to get production out of the pick, take the veteran wide receiver. If you're looking to kind of use the pick as like a chip, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like, this is a depth piece that I'm going to be able to trade later. People are going to get excited about like the eight plays that he makes. If he has a good yards per target, we'll tell ourselves any story about a Patrick Mahomes receiver, but Nico Harmon had a good yards per target. Couldn't earn targets at all. Uh, Kadarius Tony, his target per route run is off the charts. Runs five routes in the Super Bowl. That's not a problem. Like we don't he didn't even, care he didn't even about run the that red many flags. He just played that many snaps. <laughs> I just overstated it. Yeah. So it's it, it, we will... the Kadarius Tony ADP is one of the most it's one of the most ludicrous things in the history. And I of still the world. won't have zero. No, I don't have zero either. You can't. Have I don't zero. have zero either. <laughs> That's like like I, I keep texting. I have like a buddy that I text a lot of best ball stuff with. Who's like more base case focused than I am. And he like, is always like texting about how ridiculous Canarius Tony's ADP and is. I'm like, I agree, but on at zero, like I, I at least want my 8%. Like I can't stomach. Like the dude, the dude, it's all based off a game three years ago against the Cowboys where he got thrown out, Great where he, he got ejected <laughs> and it's, and, and his ADP really has been locked in stone since then. Yeah, because he's never like played enough routes to disprove that. Like he's only ever run like ten routes in a game and pulled hamstrings, so it's been fine. So, in other words, part of the reason why Rush right. the the other thing about Rice is he's got literally zero competition if he is good. Sure. Like if he is yeah. good, there's no cap on how many targets he can earn. Really. All right. Um, All right, I'll move him up. Okay, so let's stick with you, Davis, because we need to. So that was a ten minute rapid fire segment. Yeah, we got it. We got to get, we got to, we got to stop. So, so Jaden Reed, Josh Downs, uh, both, both of those players, Davis, you are the highest on Um, seeing if there's anyone else that jumps out. I'm surprised you're not higher on Jaden Reed because you like him more than Dobbs uh, or at at their cost in best ball. I mean, my Jaden Reed, that's an anti Dobbs take, not a, that's more of an anti Dobbs. Yeah. My, my Jaden Reed thing uh, really is basically just like, I think he got good capital to a spot where I could see him appreciating in value year one. Not that I think he's not that I think he's awesome. And then downs, I actually think he landed in a spot where uh, he can, he can make people act irrationally on him early on because he could, he could earn like 37 targets as a rookie, but uh, three of them could be 75 yard touchdowns or whatever. And that, that just, it, it makes people lose their, their skulls when that happens in fantasy football. Is that, I, I'm not sure if that's going to be his role. I, I mean, I guess that was a role he did really well playing with Drake may at North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think you're probably right. Alec Pierce probably has that role. I guess it could be because they've run Quez Watkins on a lot of deep routes out of the slot. I and mean, granted that's all Quez Watkins can do, but if that's like something they're willing to do is like work vertically out of the slot in that offense, then, you know, even Travis Benjamin, I think did some of that stuff back in LA. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. I think my only issue with downs is like, he's going to play in an offense. That's probably going to contend for the lowest pass attempts in the league. And he's not going to run of that many. Yeah, it's a volume like, play. Cause Pittman and Pierce, like people, I know that people in the fantasy community think Alec Pierce, is a total dud, but like the Colts love Alec Pierce. Um, no, like I he, like Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce, Alec Pierce I just I just Fair saw enough. that uh I like Alec Pierce. Har- Harman's reception perception was pretty bullish on him. Uh, yeah, like 
it's just like he he serves like he will always play a more useful role in an NFL offense than he will for fantasy football. So like I think that the fantasy community will probably underrate his value to teams because he runs a lot of deep routes, he runs a lot of hard routes, he runs a lot on the outside, and so it's like it's going to hurt his target earning ability because he doesn't get any gimmies. But he was good for them last year, and I think they're quite bullish on him. Him and Pittman aren't coming off the field, so and then you look at it, and it's like they have a tight end room of Jelani Woods. Full, full of, full of guys who are uh, clones of each other. Kylan yeah. Granson's probably getting cut, and then Will Mallory. Although, draft when it's Molly Cox and Jelani Woods and then Kylan Granson, I think one of them, one of them is not a clone. <laughs> so well, Kylan Granson's not making man. the team. You don't think so? Well, I mean, I, I, are, I don't are know. They keeping, the, B, the B reporters' uh, consensus is that Kylan Granson is a long shot to make the team. They're keeping the, they're okay. keeping the Croatian guy to block well, Nikola well, they just saw, They just drafted Will Mallory, too, right? Oh, no, the Miami guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, and, and point, I think that they see him as like the grandson. Point is, they're going to play two tight ends a lot because they have a seven thousand of them. None of them are yeah. good, um, uh, but they're they're going to play. I, them. I think Woods might be good. He's he's I might be okay. Okay, yeah. I'm sure. I'm fine with Jelani Woods. Um, but like, I think pe- people don't worry about their tight ends because they don't expect them to earn a ton of targets. But there's going to be two of them on the field at the same time, which means that Josh Downs won't be. So that means like if we're looking at running 60% of the routes for a team that has 28 pass attempts per game. That's bad. Like that's not going to be very fun. It's kind of like a bet. I think maybe in the, my mind, the way I was thinking about it is also like a little bit of a bet on uh, Richardson too. On like Richardson's yeah. ability to throw deep balls. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I still, I still like even in, even in best ball mania, like I still take Josh Downs more than the field. Also at, at this range, I'm just looking at our rankings, seeing I'm 102 spots higher on Taste of Hill than consensus seems pretty funny. Uh, but <laughs> Where do you have him ranked? 170th overall. <laughs> did, did I rank Taste of Hill? I, I, did. I didn't rank him. I only went to 150, so I did not rank him for sure. Uh, but also, make it in? also, I feel at, uh, yeah, I, I'm also correct. I did not rank Michael Thomas. Um, but <laughs> Downs hell over Michael Thomas. That's painful. That is a take. <laughs> I feel I feel I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> that hurts. Taysom Hill. Taysom it wouldn't Mills. hurt if I thought you were crazy. It wouldn't hurt if I thought you were wrong. <laughs> Taysom Mills. Taysom Mills. Three targets this year are going to be more than Michael Thomas gets. I think. Oh, uh, you know, at some point. All right. Uh, th- those are the guys I'm. I'm for sure higher on the consensus and rookie drafts. You can. You can go to Jacob now, Pat. Well, I'll, I'll let you get the final word here once we close out our three-hour podcast. But I'll I'll uh, I'll take the reins and say I'm going to make the case for Jonathan Mingo. Um, I'm highest on Jalen Hyatt, but I think I don't even want to make the case and just I'm going to lower him to Go be near, near you guys. Um, Tajay Spears is the other guy that I'm the highest on, and Roshan Johnson. Somehow you let me be the highest on him, Davis. I thought you liked converted quarterbacks. What happened? Uh, I bet this is just a function of not wanting to rank running backs high. Honestly, I bet I let that's got sure one that's... spot behind him. Hey, listen, higher is higher. <laughs> I should have double checked. What's funny is I've had to actively tell myself to stop taking so much Roshan in best ball mania. Cause like it would have been bad to be like 30% exposed to the bears running back three. If it, if it shook out that way. You're right. um, but I think he's, he is dude. Roshan is like the perfect rookie pick in a bad shitty class where he might just get he might just be tyler algier you know like he might just get 200 touches this year just by factor of like being there basically right yeah i'm, I'm sort of intrigued by him in dynasty because you have that that payoff if he takes over the backfield is like higher 
and the the risk yeah. is actually in some ways lower because we're down in a range where it's like i don't know if any of these guys are anything and they're all going to zero soon so um jonathan mingo i'll make the case for though Go because for look kelvin benjamin was both productive and tradable after a rookie season where they had no choice but to just feed him targets they're talking about playing jonathan mingo in the slot if they if they want to get him the ball in his hands quickly his yards after catch i mean he is a freak athlete like if you're going to bet on a guy who has uh a very spotty production profile which he does you would prefer that it be a athlete with size who went to a big school you know has the sec pedigree i think mingo is probably bad but you're going to get the chance for him to emerge as the potential number one on his team and if he's the number one on the panthers if that's the perception at the end of this year he is going to provide a massive profit in a rookie class that really doesn't have a ton of upside swings at this point he's a better pick in dynasty than in best ball jonathan mingo it's probably true because their their adps are somewhat similar yeah and- i mean i'll take him some in best ball just because I'm taking the Jaguars, I have to take a Panther, and I don't really like any of their ADPs. So, like, I'm not taking Adam Thielen. Like, I have some principles. So, like, I'd rather take Mingo than Thielen. And, like, I don't know, how much Terrace Marshall can a man draft? Yeah. Don't don't ask Pat. (laughs) I'm not drafting him in best ball. I'll take Chark before. before I take the Chark, yeah. Um, Who else might be? Oh, Taiji Spears. I'm making the case for him. Yeah, guy. So he's clearly the number two is what it looks like out of the, the early reports in Tennessee. Uh, he does not have an ACL in his knee, which is not good. But we constantly forget about this knee stuff. Like Nick Chubb had a devastating knee injury. Fortunately, it hasn't seemed to have, have affected him. But yeah. he came in with, like as a major red flag. Uh, Jay Ajayi fell to the fifth round because he had a horrible knee uh, injury in high school, I believe, that – he was supposed to supposedly bone on bone and then did have yeah. a very short career. Um, there are going to be, you know, even if they're like, like that red flag was a legitimate red flag on Jay Ajayi. There was a reason he fell to the fifth round. He had a short career, but like there was a period where Jay Ajayi was good, where no one cared about his knee injury anymore. It was like, it had never happened. It was like, we couldn't possibly look like a year from now and wonder if maybe his career was going to get shortened by this. If Taji Spears is good as a rookie and Derrick Henry is not brought back, he is going to be worth a lot next year. We are going to forget that he doesn't have an ACL in his knee. It's going to happen. So you're getting a pretty good shot with it. Like put, I think- a, put a reminder in your phone. Like Taji Spears doesn't have a knee this year, June, June 9th. Like, yeah, he does. Like yeah. you need to remember. You need to remember. <laughs> you need to remember. But, but the market will forget. <laughs> Uh, I am so grateful to Ty J Spears for not having an ACL because I would have for sure had 0% Ty J Spears. He was a guy who was really low on the pre-draft process. And then the ACL stuff came out and everybody panicked. And I'm now, I'm now like 1.5 X market on, on Spears nice. from rookie drafts. And it's exclusively because he doesn't have like, I mean, I've got him like three, 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 four. Like it's weird. Like he shouldn't go behind Chase Brown. No, definitely not. Yeah. All right. Jacob, close us out here. You are higher on Tank Bigsby, Kendry Miller, yep. uh, any of the other guys that you're higher on. 
I think you guys are just low on Miller because I think I, I don't even know if I've drafted him in a rookie draft all year. So I feel weird mm-hmm. making a stance for Kendra. But I do think like he's, I mean, he's the running back with the most obvious pathway to 250 touches this year without any injury to any other back, in my opinion. Like Alvin Kamara is legal. His trial starts July 31st. We have no idea what his situation is. Jamal Williams scored a lot of touchdowns. I promise you he isn't good. Like he, he was not good by any measure last year. He's 28 years old. I think that he could start to look real old real quick and start to lose some value. And I don't love Kendry Miller. Like he's the type of running back prospect I'm not usually super drawn to. And that I think a lot of tackle breaking metrics are overrated in running back evaluation, but he has juice. He's young. He's interesting. A lot of film folks have talked about him potentially having unpacked pass catching upside he's talked a lot about the specifics of his offense that they were like max bug and ran around a lot they didn't throw it backs like he's been always very bullish on his own pass catching ability he's brought it up unprompted in a few interviews i think he has some legitimate upside as the only back that i see with juice in that offense um tank like i've just always been a fan of tank as like his archetype of player i think he has the capability to do everything in a back love running backs who weigh 225 pounds I wish that he did, but he does weigh enough. He does weigh enough. Um, and I think with him and ETN, like, I, I think it's weird, actually, the way people have described it. I think people have described this one kind of similar to the Walker-Shard split. I don't think Tank actually complements ETN as naturally as Charbonnet does. Like, They're like the same guy think, almost. Right. Like, my comp for Tank coming out was Tevin Coleman. I don't think he's like a super reliable guy. I think he's more like, I think he is kind of a high risk decision maker. Um, And he is like, I don't really know what he is in the passing game. He might be kind of okay, but I do think he fits the scheme well. And to me, what it looks like, it's not that they dislike ETN. It's just like, we don't want to have all the touches on one guy, but we like how ETN operates in our scheme. We want another guy who operates well in that scheme. And then we'll be able to use them interchangeably. So I think he's going to get all sorts of usage. Um, And I think that he's a solid player and he's going to be in a really good offense and especially to manage dynasty league, like his contingent upside is awesome. If ETN goes down, you're going to be super excited to start tank Bigsby. And I, I like that better than some of the timeshare type guys. And I think the other two guys that I'm just way higher on are both the green Bay tight ends. Um, I always want to be taking shots on tight ends and Ricky draft. I think Tucker crafts profiles are generally interesting. Musgraves is not great from a production standpoint, but he's super athletic and he has like some valid excuses Been getting good buzz in camp wide open receiving chart like the fact that all of these guys are unproven kind of makes me like all of them more right because some of them are probably really bad but then some of them are going to succeed and they have a lot of opportunities so i'm i'm drafting a ton of musgrave and craft um both and and if if as long as one hits i think that's going to pay you off for third and fourth round rookie picks i like that yeah musgrave i didn't i didn't go past 150 but i just added him as 151 he's a he's a good one um, I also like craft a lot too. I think there's kind of that, like, we're not sure who it's going to be, but I don't think they're sure who it's going to be. I think they just they, right. they took two cracks at it. That doesn't seem yeah. like they have one role. Like they didn't talk about Musgrave. Oh, he's the move tight end. And then craft's going to play. They were like, they're both good at everything. We're going to let them compete. Right. That's, that's how I view it for sure. Um, all right. I think, I think we've done it. We went over, went over two hours. We have, no Michael Wilson takes anybody. If we, if we, <laughs> uh, this, oh, this could take a little bit of effort guys, but 
the this could be a 10 hour podcast series if we just put in if we go a little longer over the next four <laughs> or the next three. Uh, do, do the people even want that? I mean, honestly, I don't God. think so. But I hope not. I'm not sure. <laughs> don't don't draft Michael Wilson. Draft Greg Dorch instead. I'm actually I'm I'm moving to Wilson over Dorch. Give me that. Give me that deep that one deep Fucking... shot in, in week 17. Oh, or, it's goodness. the year. It's the year of the small wide receiver, dude. <laughs> Been draft Rondell Moore, man. Greg Dorch, Greg Dorch, Greg Dorch is is arbitrage Zay Flowers. <laughs> how, how far down the arbitrage have we gone? Clayton Clayton Tune, Clayton Tune is just dime store Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, this is more Michael Wilson talk than we actually had Zay Flowers talk this episode. Oh uh, yeah, we just skipped Zay. Maybe we'll. Maybe I like we'll... Zay. I mean, he's he's fine, but they're going to try and play Odell Beckham over him for eight weeks before they give up. That's for sure going to happen. Oh, my God. Yeah. All right, guys. Anything uh, to cover before we get out of here? No. Let's get out of here, man. Everyone, thanks for for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys uh, 